Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Wednesday installment of our program here. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. Man, that was fun at that ball game last night. But it was cold. I heard Lauren talking about the weather today on the handoff. It was cold. I mean, last night was about as cold a baseball game, and it was packed. What a crowd. What a crowd. I saw the crowd on the pictures. It uh, it was very impressive. And uh, record, I think I saw twenty five over 2,500 people there. Nick told us that that somewhere back in the day they announced 3,100. He said, (laughs) which, by the way, is not possible. (laughs) They just announced it at UNF at some point. Uh, but yeah, twenty five oh nine was the, and there's uh, the no sold-out and there's no chance they've had more than that in that place. I've been in that place a thousand times. There literally wasn't a place to stand, sit, and that's why Nick wants to redo it. There wasn't a place to stand, wasn't a place to sit. I mean, it was a uh, so I um so I get in the car and uh is uh as I'm leaving, I went I I, I park. You guys park where you're supposed to park because you're smarter than me. You park in the normal media parking. I park out closer to left field because that's where our tent is. Not smart enough to realize it's way longer walk. So, you know, okay, I just I'm, I'm, again, it's, it's, I'm, I figured that out yesterday when yeah, you yeah. couldn't get yeah, to your yeah, truck I, and I, back in the time it took for like a break. Yeah, again, it's not. I'm not the most intelligent sort. Well, you well, do get stopped about every twenty feet. <laughs> that's true. But, yeah. but it was really hard. So, so anyway, so I'm driving back. Is that I'm driving back behind the to go park in the media spot so I can go to the. The, the nest, which is air-conditioned and heated because of the wimp that I am. And I even passed by uh, Kennedy Grayson, who works for me, works for walk-off. She and Miles are in their truck, sitting in center field, and sitting in the truck bed. Nice. I'm thinking, that's a great place to watch, but you got to be cold. So but those trucks were lined up, man. They were all lined up. So Yeah, was- you bring blankets, and something tells me most people out there have coolers, Frank, because yeah. as I drove by on my way back here— I saw several students, I assume they're UNF students, uh, playing beer pong and flip cups. So it looked like a roar, rip roaring good time. Yeah, so uh, so it was, they were they were all having a all having a good time. So uh, a lot of things to talk about today on the program. Uh, Gators in uh, Alabama tonight. Who is SEC Mike? Do we know him? Do I know SEC Mike? I have no idea who you're talking about, so I don't know him. You didn't see the thing on the. He on has sixty one thousand followers, Frank, and a very popular podcast. You, you didn't see the thing on Twitter today. SEC is it the Mike? thing where it's like Florida going two and ten? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So that's so, SEC so, Mike. So, so, so do I know, but is he is he a well known guy? From what I can tell, yes. Okay. Uh, but he's not the one who he tweeted he out. He didn't do the two and ten. He his account tweeted out the two and ten, but it's someone else named Jake Wimberly who his analytics created the graphic. Do I know saw. Jake Wimberly? Uh, no. He is a program director for ESPN somewhere. Okay. I, 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 I know he, George Winterling. Yeah, yeah. It was an excellent oh, meteorologist. George, George, George was the best, and I can't tell you how many times I was swimming in the Winterling's pool, and we thought it was the coolest deal that George would come out when we were swimming in the pool. That's awesome. So, so they just say, so you know, growing up, I grew up in the – I grew up uh, – uh, Frank Winterling was a year older. Steve Winterling was a year – it was my age, and we played baseball together since we were eight. So, so there you awesome. go. And George is one of the nicest men you've ever met. So there's that. Um the uh, yeah, so we'll talk about the two and ten. That's the, they, they did a fun job talking about it on prime time. We'll get to it as well. Uh, Lee Smith stops by the executive director of the Players Championship about three forty or so. It's always good to catch up with Lee. Look forward to that. I want to talk about you know Charlie Woods is going to play is is becoming a good little golfer. Did you see this? He's gonna. He, he, I saw. I've heard that he's good, but he's not like yeah phenom good. Yeah, yeah, right. But it'll be fun to watch. Oh sure, and, yeah. but it, but it does get me thinking. I thought he might be like phenom yeah. good. Who was he? Right. 
who were the we'll go through all the father sons in sports we'll go through the griffies and barry bonds and bobby and all but his golf ever had what's the what is cuz i mean davis love is great drew drew loves on tour i'm trying to think is there is there a is there a golf father son that stand out at all not that i can think I of i can't either i can't uh, either and wonder why because that's a, a that's a sport because a lot of the golfers kids play golf you know? Like the loves, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I, that's what I said. I said Davis yeah. loves Davis lo- and Drew's on tour, and uh, but but he's not a factor on tour. You know, Haas's had a nice Jay and, they, and Bill. Bill. That's I think good. Bill won a FedEx. Cup. That might be the best. Yeah, and Jay that, won a yeah, lot. That on might tour. be the best. You, very good point. So we'll certainly talk about that. Uh, I, I we never got you and I touched on it a little bit uh, after Lauren left yesterday, but the possibility of Alabama winning a national team or Tennessee. Winning a national championship in basketball. I got, I got a thought or two about that. And what makes it possible? What makes it not possible? The whole bit. So we'll certainly get to that uh, coming up on the on the program today as well. Last night it was fun watching. Um, uh, greatest players in specific sports to come out of your school. Who is the best baseball player? Baseball from the, our schools. Now, A. Rod signed with Miami, but he never played there, right? No. He never played there, yeah. so he, he can't count A-Rod. Right. Alex Fernandez did pitch there, you know, and so he – Although if we're going to count Alex Rodriguez from Miami, then yeah. I'm counting Kwame Brown for Florida. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. <laughs> but he didn't play. But uh, but who is the – because and I'm, and I'm going to get to this later on in the program, but I assume Pete Alonzo will be the best position player to ever play for Florida. That's what I would think. Florida, because he's hitting, he hits home runs every time you turn around, right? He, he's hitting home – I mean, every turn around – I mean, Brad Wilkerson was a really good player. They've got a bunch of pitchers in the big now. Dunning's up and Singer's up and Kowar's up. And Eckstein won a World Series Eckstein MVP. Won, and, and Eckstein was a World Series MVP for the Cardinals. That's correct. So I'm, so I'm thinking through, but I'm guessing it's going to be Alonzo. I think so. I would think it's going to be Alonzo. I would think so as well. Yeah. Um, and then J.D. Drew or Buster and I, Posey. And I would think for FSU – What's that? What's that? Buster Posey. I would think Buster would have to be the Buster. guy. I, I, w- I would think Buster was a better pro than than, than yeah. JD. Yeah. So I would think Buster Posey certainly for for Florida State, Georgia. I can't think of one. Is there a Georgia baseball player that I have that I, that zero? I, yeah, clue on Miami. I'm trying to anything think. Anything college I'm, I'm baseball thinking, beyond the big three. I'm thinking Alex Fernandez probably for for Miami. Because mm-hmm. you, you can't a Rod. I don't think ever played for him. Right. If he didn't play for him. It doesn't count. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, but I'm going to get get to that because I can tell you, A, I think Wyatt Langford might be the best Gator, might be better than all of them. He's already regarded as like the third best prospect in baseball. He was so good last year. And wait till this guy gets to the pros. Wait till Jack Caglione gets there. You saw him yesterday. Saw how big he was because he walked right in front of us. Yesterday, hits a bomb on his first at bat. Lefty, lefty, by the way. Roka's a pretty good pitcher. He got lit up a little bit last night, but Tony Roka's pretty good. Hits a double later. He is he is gonna pitch. He may be he may be he may go down. If you listed the greatest professional sports athletes to come out of Florida, and when I say professional sports athletes, I'm not talking about the Olympic sports, even though they do make money. Now I'm talking about what we recognize as professional paid sports. The best ones to ever play at the University of Florida in any sport. Emmett won, right? Mm-hmm. Then who? Then then where do you go after that? Is it still football? Is it uh, Bradley Beal? Is it? I mean, is it Mike Miller? Is you're, you're basing it on earnings. 
Uh, no, because our earnings would be more more late. Just who we think oh, the best. Okay, I got you. Who, just um, who, who do you think? Haslam earned a lot. Haslam yeah, earned well, a lot. And but Horford it, is. And yeah. Horford, yeah. But I don't think either. Well, that's right. But I don't know that either one of those. I keep forgetting about Horford. Horford. Yeah. yeah. Horford would be high. Beal would be high. Yeah. Um, Emmett's first. Emmett would be first. And, and, uh, and then and then I wonder what that list would be like. I mean, I wonder. What, I mean, after Emmett, same with now. Florida State's got Dion's first. I would say Dion's so. first. But then Derek Brooks is right there. Right there, mm-hmm. Walter, I mean, Jones. Walt, Walt, um, Walter Jones. Walter Jones is right a, there. They've got a. They've got a good list. So we'll, we'll get to. Famers. We're going to get to that later on. Is and do the baseball guys matter? Do they compete? The whole bit. I think Alonzo would be on Florida. Would be a top five. He'd be Florida, on the ballot, wouldn't if he? If you're talking football, basketball, baseball, he'd be on the. He'd be on the ballot. I think he'd have a yeah, strong I, argument. I agree. I mean, Jack Youngblood made yeah. the Hall of Fame in football. He has to be, you know, up there. It's amazing to me what the season, just back to Cags, the season that he has in front of him. I mean, he was really good last season and now returning and, and understanding exactly what he needs to do facing SEC pitchers and all that stuff. Like, I, I think watch out for him this season. My buddy Tom Stanton just texted me a good one. Ryan Braun played at Miami. Great baseball player. Ryan Braun, um, legitimate legitimate, a home run hitter in the big leagues. Good call on that one, Tom. Very, very good call. Uh, in JJ, by the way, JJ, sorry, JJ, I didn't see yours. Tom Stanton and our buddy JJ LaSelva both texted Ryan Braun. So Ryan Braun's the guy, right? My, my bad. By the way, I've now had four people that I know text me Ryan Braun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for all the Ryan Braun. I think it love. might be Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun <laughs> might live in town, okay? Because <laughs> I've just, my, my buddy Kyle Flynn. Ryan Braun is uh, on his way to the <laughs> studio. Everybody I know is now texting me Ryan Braun. So thank you for that. But Ryan Braun would be, you're right, he would be the baseball guy out of Miami. Well, well said. Although I'll say this. Since all three of you are still listening, mm-hmm. I watched Alex Fernandez pitch. He was only there at Miami like one year. He was unhittable. He, he if, if Alex Fernandez stays at Miami, mm-hmm. he might have been the best college pitcher in the history of the sport. And now, just for fun, we're going to count Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> just for the heck of it, though. So we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on uh, in the program. A lot of stuff to talk about uh, today. We'll take a break. Uh, we're going to get some college basketball first. Florida and Alabama uh, tonight. Can the Gators win that game? How did Alabama get so good? Can Alabama win a national title? After that, Lee Smith stops by from the Players' Championship. We'll do that. I want to talk about fathers and sons uh, in uh, the world of sports uh, as Charlie Woods gets set to try and qualify. we got a lot of fun stuff to do. We're glad you're with us. On a Wednesday, it's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Carline Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. The uh, Gators play Alabama tonight. I think most people expect Alabama will win that game. They're What's the a, line? Eight and a half. Yeah, eight and a half. That, that, I probably would lay it before I took it. I would, I think too. they could pull away, yeah. So I would, I would lay it before I took it. Um, and, and we'll talk more about the game later on in the program. But let me talk about Alabama and Alabama, have they been to a Final Four? Do we know that? Let me look. I don't think they've been to a Final Four. I, I do know. I don't think Tennessee's been to a Final Four, ever. And so, and the reality is, over the years, there's a reason for that. By the way, there, there's a reason Alabama has never had any su- su- uh, sustained success in basketball. They've never gone to the Final. They've four. never. Never they went to the, the Elite Eight in 2004. So think about it. In the 
in the history in the history of Alabama athletics, which has a lot of money in its athletic department, which has the the most heritaged college football program of all time. They've never been to a Final Four. They've been to one Elite Eight. Florida, by the way, has two national championships, five Final Fours, nine Elite Eights, and Alabama's been to zero. Okay, think about that for a second. Right, so. I don't think Tennessee's been either. I don't think that's an accident. I think over the years, Alabama has not been able to bring in elite basketball players because they felt like they were going to always be second fiddle on their campus. If you go to play basketball at North Carolina or Duke or Kentucky or Kansas or Indiana back in the day or UCLA or pick your school or any of those Big E schools in the 80s, you were the king of the campus. You were never going to be the king of the campus at Alabama. And not just Alabama, but other schools. Other schools have been able to mitigate that. Oklahoma had some real good runs in basketball. Texas has had some runs. I just ran off Florida's incredible runner to Billy Donovan. The uh, uh, pretty amazing run. Um, Michigan State on a lower level has decent success in both. And and Michigan State's had success because you could go, even, even in the heyday, you could go to Michigan State and be the hero on the campus. You couldn't at Ohio State, yet they found some success. Michigan, you couldn't, yet they found enormous success with the Fab Five and before that, Glenn Rice and Terry Mills and that group. Isn't it all about the coach? Well, you got to get the right – you got to get a – some teams, good programs can win with good coaches. Programs like that have to win with phenomenally great coaches. And, that, and so you have to have that. Tennessee has not been to a Final Four. Yeah, t- Tennessee's never – and Tennessee's had some good basketball. Men's Rick, basketball, Has Rick Barnes ever been to a Final uh, Four? He's, because he's, he's, he's collab- – his, the it, book it, on him is they've, they've struggled late. Yeah, they, so I don't – I'm curious. That would be almost yeah. the double jinx because it's the program right. and the coach. But here's, my, here's where I'm going with this. That is one thing. Yes, he has at Texas. Okay. He, he went to one time. That is one thing. If Tennessee's never been, Alabama's never been. The reality, Georgia's been once. It was in the seventies. Okay, the uh, Florida State has been once. It was in seventy-two. That's how long it's been since Florida State's been. Nineteen nineteen seventy-two should have gone in twenty twenty, as we always say. They probably would have. Would have gone. gone. We okay. think. Right. I agree. We would have. I, I. I think. Think they would have. So they also could have lost in the first yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, they've been—they haven't been since '72. Georgia hasn't been since the '70s. Alabama and Tennessee have never gone. That's not a coincidence. When Duke goes every damn year, and North Carolina goes almost every year, and so, so my, because you couldn't get the players to go there. You just even Florida beat all the rules, Lauren. Because to your point about coaching, and, and I'll say this. Lon Kruger laid the frame, laid laid the groundwork. Absolutely. Lon Kruger laid the groundwork for what Billy Donovan did after him. And what Billy Donovan did was amazing stuff. But NIL changes all of that. And not just NIL, but the portal, the one-year transfers. College basketball is one big game of free agency. Other than Duke, Carolina, and Kansas, and even Kansas has – a, a portal guy from Michigan, which is why they're so good, because they got one of the best centers in college basketball on Hunter Dickinson. So I believe you're now going to see, because Alabama's got great money, Tennessee's got great money, it's just you couldn't get the guy to go there because they couldn't be the king of the campus. But now if they can go get the same NIL money, they can get it in North Carolina, or maybe more. And if you can convince them they're going to win, you're only there one year anyway. 
I think you're going to start seeing football blue bloods show up in basketball, and I think this Alabama-Tennessee stuff is the tip of the iceberg. That's the point. Yeah, I don't think SEC basketball is going away at all. I mean, I, I think it's uh, you're seeing nine teams potentially get in this year. I, I think that's going to become the consistent more than the exception where the SEC is right at the top. Uh, and, and again, that's without Oklahoma or Texas this year. Uh, I, I just think the money got so big in football. You can't build a football Taj Mahal every year. So a lot of these schools were, I, I just think they were making so much from football. It was like, well, we have all this, we have this surplus. I mean, we have all this money uh, that football is bringing in. Why don't we devote it? it we need, you know, if you're going to devote funds, if you're going to increase a budget, stands to reason the one that you're going to look to increase the first is the men's basketball program. And I think you've just seen more of an investment in it. The coaches in the SEC, it's never been deeper, I'd say, in terms of the accomplishments of the group. I, and, you know, I, I think it's gone from being an afterthought for pretty much every school other than Kentucky. And then Florida got serious about it. I found the right coach and gave him the resources and kept him among the top paid and, you know, made sure that, that Billy Donovan would be as comfortable as he could be. I, I just don't think very many programs were overly serious about it. I mean, to Tennessee, to your point about Tennessee, not only did those players take a backseat to football players, they weren't even the most popular basketball team Great point. Great point. on campus. That's, that's a very good point because the women were winning, selling out and winning the title every year. I'm going to go through the top ten in college basketball. The, the AP, this is the AP poll, the top 10, UConn, Houston, Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee is five, number six, Iowa State, Marquette, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina. How many true football schools? One. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee's the legit football school. Whether they've been down or not, can't beat the Gators and up. That's one. Okay. That, that's the top 10. 11, Baylor, 12, Illinois, 13, Alabama, 14, Auburn, okay? That's three football schools. After that, it's Creighton, Dayton, Kentucky, San Diego State, and South Carolina, okay? Alabama and Auburn are football schools. South Carolina. I, I just can't count anything. I can't either. I can't count them as a football yeah. school. I just can't, yeah, even yeah, though you're, they, you're a nothing school. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, that okay. I don't mean to be Football's offensive. First. Hang on. So hang on. You have to achieve in something. Twenty-one through twenty-five: Washington State, Colorado State, Texas Tech, Florida, which is a football school. Down or not, they are. BYU. BYU is a football school. Yeah. So I got Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, BYU. Of the twenty-five teams ranked in the top twenty-five. Five schools that think football is more important than basketball. Five. That's how hard it is. And so, but I but I do believe that's going to change, and I think we're starting to see it. I I, I think you're going to see Michigan pop up. I think you're going to see Ohio State pop up again. I think you're going to see Texas or Oklahoma. Pretty much all that money coming in, right? I think the Big well, Ten schools. To your point about SEC schools, and you just don't need as much money. Yep. I mean, to build a football team in NIL, you probably need fifteen twenty million a year to build a great basketball team in NIL, you need probably $4 million. Yeah, but of the tw- Lauren, of the 25 schools I read off, five of those schools care more about football than basketball. I'm not saying they don't make more in football because football pays more. 
But as far as of school, five of those five of those schools, I'm not counting South Carolina, like you said. Yeah, I don't know where to count them. Right. But but five of those schools care more about football than basketball. The rest don't. I understand your point entirely about how NIL is is going to push players to go to bigger schools, give bigger football chance. schools, give, give them a chance the to consider school. it. Right. But I think your evidence really is showing that most of the time we're not there yet. We're not. Yeah. And yeah. I hear you. And they'll flare up from time to time. Like I don't. I would bet if we're doing the show in four years, Alabama's not ranked in the top twenty-five in basketball well, that's a really because good, Nate Oates is probably not going to be the head coach there. Well, that's a really good point. Is is it? Is the trend changing because my gut tells me it's going to? The evidence suggests these are flare-ups. Yeah. You're, you're right. That's a very good, it's a very good point. Are, are they flare-ups? And I don't mean just SEC. I mean football. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing all the football schools in here. Now, like you said earlier, you got to have the right coach. If you don't get the right coach, and what the coach has to do is different. I was talking to someone yesterday that's very, very involved and close to the whole Florida football thing. Okay? Made a great point. Timing is everything. This person made a really good point to me that's that's very connected. Okay, said if Florida had hired Billy Napier ten years had hired today's Billy Napier ten years ago, he'd be crushing it because Billy Napier is a guy that really understands recruiting, evaluating talent, getting players to campus, developing players. But Florida has been way behind, and Napier's been way behind in the whole portal NIL thing. So he just got to Florida at the wrong time. Uh, is, that a, is that fair? Is yeah, that a, I think yeah. it's yeah. – Hayes has made that point. Very fair. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, I remember this was years ago, but uh, Jeff Cardoza joined us at the baseball grounds, yeah. and, and that was his point. Right. Uh, one of us asked him about Napier, and, and he said, <laughs> he said, I, my, I, it feels like he's – Yeah, good point. He's from a different era. And, and Jeff's a guy that follows it, does a radio show there too. So he's another guy that you're right about that. The, the, Napier's in game coaching, though, would yeah. still potentially leave people lacking, even with a lot of five stars. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and who knows? Him but, in particular. But it didn't feel, yeah, but, but it felt like when he was at Louisiana, when there's no NIL money, it, when it's Louisiana, Southern Miss, Houston, Georgia Southern, App State, whoever, no, no one's caught up in their NIL money then, right? So. So for that for for that purpose or for those purposes, the NIL and the portal weren't in play. So, but 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 back to the basketball thing. This isn't as much about Napier as it is basketball. I do think, and we'll see if I'm right or not, because you're right, Lauren. Today's evidence shows it's just a flare up. You could say Florida was a flare up back in the day, you know. So, but I think you're going to see basketball, football schools. I think you're going to see Oregon. I think you're going to see maybe Florida comes back. Looks like they may have a good guy here. I think you're going to see – I mean, Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee have really good coaches. You know, Texas has a really good coach. You know, I, 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 think, you're, I think you're going to see the, the football schools come back and play basketball. I, I, I don't think it's a flare-up, but I hear you. The evidence suggests it still is. Well, and I understand, too, when COVID did hit and the basketball tournament was yeah. canceled, I think there were a lot of schools that realized just how much they rely on that money from the basketball tournament. And so, yeah, you want to pour more resources so you are not just a football school, but you have the additional revenue for men's basketball. Yeah, and part of it is you want to win. Well, the the other thing, too, is that's the thing. Once you experience your team doing something in oh, the yeah. NCAA tournament. It's right. magical. It really is. It, there's no I question. mean, it is such a thrill. Yeah. Uh, if you're able to, I mean, even just to get to a Final Four is two weeks of just euphoria. 
but let alone if you win the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it is just uh-huh. – it's about as sweet as it can be in sports. And so you get a little taste of that if you're in Alabama or you're a Tennessee or, you know, you, you get to a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight, and it's like, oh, wow, we've what can we do to recapture this and make this a consistent thing in our program? I can tell you Florida has five titles in football and basketball. I was at all five championship games. I was there. I was there for the confetti every time. Might have called myself confetti guy. <laughs> were you? By the way, were you also there in '95? I was there in '95 okay. when they lost. Yeah, I was. I was there. I was there too. But I was. I was there for all five titles, and and therefore I was part of all five runs. I was at every SEC championship game when that happened. I was at uh, almost every NCAA basketball. I don't think I went to the first round the second year, but but for the most part, I went through both runs. I, I went to the 94 run to the Final Four. I went to the 2000 run to the Final Four. I went to the 95 football game that they lost. I was at all those. I was on hand. And I can tell you the experience with basketball was every bit as good as football, if not better, if not better. Now, it didn't mean as much. I'd be lying if I told you the basketball titles meant as much. But the run, the to your point, Hayes, the run, the joy, the glory of it all, basketball was every bit as much fun, every bit. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's caught on in the SEC and will only continue to grow. I mean, again, if these projections are right, if nine teams from this conference get in a 14, that's going to be nine teams that are even more driven. I mean, Kentucky can't be more driven. I mean, they're, they're, they've been at the top for, for a long time. In Florida, it's, it's certainly become, I think, in this generation of a Florida fan, basketball has become something that it's expected that you're going to be good. Uh, but for you know other SEC schools that have had just sort of middling success for the last 30 or 40 years that now seem to have found the right coach, I mean, if, if you're Ole Miss, if, if they get in with Chris Beard and, and they make a run, it's going to become more important if uh, Texas A&M is able to get in and, and win a game or two. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of fringe SEC schools that traditionally haven't been very good in basketball. Uh, you know, like Arkansas has been good. Missouri's had moments. I, but the SEC right now, I mean, a, a lot of those nine really have no basketball history, right. and they're getting a taste of what it's like to, to be good and in the mix, and it's fun. And, and, a, and a lot of the reason they have had no history is because they're the football school. Right. And so we'll see what happens. We'll take a break. Uh, let's get into golf. When we come back, our friend Lee Smith is here, the executive director of the Players' Championship. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. of the program, Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, our buddy Lee Smith's here from the players. Getting close. Getting close. It is. Under three weeks now. Yeah. Excited. What's your feeling? You excited? You nervous? Busy? Got stuff to do? Yep. All? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How yeah. crazy is it? How All. crazy is it now? Seriously. It's You know what? It's it's great. We've got such a great team. Um, you know, certainly folks that that have, have been through this a lot. Um, it's, it's fun to... You know, be the new guy. Put your own little fingerprint on on some small areas, but at the same time, know that you've got this you know team that's been there a long time that knows exactly what they're doing, and uh, you know, and is very calm under fire. Let's put it that way. What's the winning score going to be? You know, it'll be interesting, Hayes. We'll we'll uh, obviously Mother Nature will will tend to to dictate that. 
if it's really soft out there, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, these these guys will throw throw darts everywhere. I, I got to think low teens um, is is always a score that you would come in and and shoot for if you could mm. if you could shoot three or four under par every day. I think you're you're going to be right there. We'll be broadcasting in a new place this year, the Nine Green. Have you heard that we can make some trouble for the golfers in the past? Absolutely. We <laughs> we uh, we we put you in a soundproof area. <laughs> um, yeah, we've gotten some feedback. Uh, no, I think it's a really cool spot uh, over there that's somewhat uh, secluded, somewhat private, but still, you know, really close access to the golf course. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I saw when we played. I, I I didn't know that until we played out there. I, I didn't realize we were there. It looked like a good spot. Do you have a preference? Would you do you want thirteen under win like it does every year? Would you rather be two under because it's weather's awful, or would you rather someone go low? Do you, do you care? No, I don't think we do. I you know I think one thing having having hosted uh, a decent amount of golf tournaments, I think one thing that I um, respect about a PGA Tour rules officials and setting up of golf courses um, is is that we don't set them up with a with a target in mind. No matter what, even if you're at a private club and all the members are saying, oh, we want it to be tough and all of those types of things, or the guests want to see carnage and all those types of things or different tournaments that might do that. I, I think we always, um, you know, try to fit the setup to really the atmosphere, the region you're playing in, how, how the golf course plays the best. Um, you know, and, and one of those things, I think there's a place for everything. You've got the birdie fests out there where 20, 25, 30 under par. I've been a part of those, and those are fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you've got a, a iconic venue like this that, um, you know, there's a. I think the the quote is always there's a double around every corner, right? right? Um, and I remember watching. I think it was just recently. I watched the final round again from last year. I think they said every hole on the golf course was doubled at least once uh, throughout the throughout the that. four is rounds. Right? I think it was maybe oh. either either that or all of them but one. But yeah, yeah there's a. There's certainly a double around every corner, that's for sure. Remind us again some of the, the fun fan activities and, and new features for this tournament. Yeah, I think one of the um, you know things that we're excited about is continued to expand opening weekend. Um, you know, the the this year the tournament falls not just on spring break for uh, St. John's County, but it also for uh, Duval schools as well. And so we think there's there's goods and 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 bads with that, but. Um, you know, that, that opening weekend, I think is going to be really, really exciting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 17th hole challenge where all the fans and, and their families, uh, can come out and put a club in their hand and, and hit a shot on our replica, uh, 17th hole. Our fan shop is, is open, uh, with some exciting new things, uh, in there with some customized product. And, um, we've partnered with some of the influencer brands to, uh, to be in there with, with our, uh, core players product and just a an opportunity to come out and see the atmosphere uh and then around the golf course tournament week our our family fun zone that that Nemours uh, sponsors for us is always fun for the kids uh and then those those 24 restaurants that that we activate you know always uh, are always busy and a fan favorite and I know the course is now shut down for people to play. How much time will you spend out there just reviewing pretty much every single square inch of and blades of grass? Yeah, we we um our our focus obviously mostly is outside the ropes and our agronomy team and rules team is 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 inside the ropes, but I do think that's one of the things uh in in the discussions with our lead referee Stephen Cox who's um you know just fantastic at what he does is 
um, you know, coming in and being able to to communicate back and forth from a golfer's perspective, from a player's perspective. Um, and so I think he appreciates just a, you know, a different view uh, on some of those inside the ropes things. But it's always nice uh, to be able to shut the golf course down four weeks uh, in advance and really focus on those details, divots, ball marks, that type of thing. Lauren asked a good question. Got me thinking too. Do you, you're a golf guy. I mean, I mean, the ultimate golf guy. Do you have an opinion on pin placements and, and how fast you get them? And do you, do you get involved in that? Will you get involved in that at all? I have an opinion. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, nobody listens to that opinion. That's uh no, we, we, we certainly leave that uh, to, to what we call the professionals, the, the competitions. Okay. Um, certainly they'll, they'll run that bias. Um, but you know, when you, when you have a group of, of guys like that, that put on 40 tournaments a year yeah. on this tour and 30 tournaments on, on the corn Ferry tour or whatever that number is in the champions tour and have done it year after year after year. Um, it, it's probably best that we leave that to the, to the experts. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly we do talk about it. We've talked about how difficult it is to predict the champion because everybody in the field has a chance because it's not an overly long course. Uh, and then you get into the fact that, you know, there's, there's certainly guys that have traditionally played well here, but when you eliminate sort of the horse for the course and when you eliminate, you know, the, the fact that no real style is, prevails here, is there anything you can look at from a golf expertise standpoint and say, I think this guy will play well here this week because of this is there a course that leads up to this that's at all similar in your opinion or, or what would you look for beyond just their history here and obviously the style they play yeah I, w- I would um I'd probably say current form as much as anything you know the the this year especially um with with now the cognizant event in Palm Beach um and then API being a signature event right before us and then the players you know, there's going to be a few players, high-profile players that'll play all three. Uh, there'll be some that that will just play API and 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 us. Uh, and so I got to believe uh, if you match experience on this venue or or in this type of cauldron uh, as as being one, and then current form. You know, one one guy that comes to mind, and Frank, I know you always talk about young guys. Minwoo Lee is you know somebody that just feels like. He's he's been in the mix. Right. Um, he kind of has the moxie and the flair to to win uh, a big event. Right. Certainly the pedigree with his with his sister, um, and then he's just a, a young up and coming player that's that's super exciting. I I you know I'd love to see him you know at least compete down the stretch. He'd be cool. Do you play fantasy golf or are you not allowed? Um, we uh, we have an integrity pledge that uh that we take at the PGA tour that uh we do not we do not play but um we certainly look at those types of things um pay attention to them uh, and it's and it's a heck of a game i mean it's a a fun game to regardless of what the structure some of them you, you know pick four guys pick five guys money um One and done. score yeah those those types of things are always fun what do you think about how Scheffler's playing obviously he's got he's got to get the putting part figured out i think that's the book on him but he's still the best player in the world, or certainly among them. Obviously, he's the defending champ. What are your expectations for him? I'll tell you when you when you look at that when you look at those numbers. I was watching uh, Genesis, and I think it was, you know, what was he first off the tee and sixth in approach, or or vice versa, right. and then was fiftieth out of fifty one in putting, or right. something like that. 
and and certainly that just seems like it's it's hung around. You thought that he could yeah. get past it, um, but you know when when you're ball striking it like that, you're gonna be there. <laughs> it's just a matter if a couple of putts fall in the right way. And I was asked the other day about um, you know what what winner would you like to see, and it certainly would be a fun one. We we certainly pride ourselves on not having a back to back champion and. Right. This this is being a um, you know one that that anybody can win, but you know if there's a time for that, the 50th anniversary yeah, of the tournament yeah. would would be really cool to see that happen. What you make of Matsuyama's 62 the other day, and and he's had some good moments here. Yeah, and he's won at the Memorial. He's obviously won the Masters. He could be a factor. No question. How about the fact that you shoot 62 and he basically said he played horrible? He right, that he right. hit one good shot, I think. Even the back with yeah, the back, thirty on the back. Hit two shots to four inches, and one of them he said was a bad shot. <laughs> like that's uh, that's that's got to be fun to be able to do. Yeah, you know, I think you're. That's that would be a name when you talk about has had his has had some success here and is in good form. Um, he he would be a player, and 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 how big would that be internationally yeah. to to have an international winner that is such a a star in uh, in his country, uh, and it's such a big following with the Japanese media to come over here. That would be a that certainly would be a fun one, and I think he's got a great chance. Because if he wins the players, he'd be in the Hall of Fame because he's won the Masters. Yeah. So yeah. he'd have a Masters of players, and obviously, to your point, the global impact. Yeah. So I think it would be a, a big legacy win for Matsuyama. Absolutely. No no question about it. I mean, think about the Japanese flag flies for a year out at uh right. out right. at TPC Sawgrass. That would uh that would certainly be a fun one for that country. How closely are you watching Will Zalatoris to see if he'll qualify? Um, I, I think I just heard today that he's like thirty sixth in the official world golf ranking or, or, or something like that, that he's climbed that high. So I think as of now he would he would be in, um, but you know to to see talking about somebody that's corrected their their putting it seems like still looks like he's hitting it off the toe a little bit with that with that long putter but you know I think maybe the uh, um, his the MOI on that thing's keeping the uh, keeping the ball straight he's an exciting talent um, and certainly is his success in big time golf events you know just spells success here I would think. Seems like a day can't go by we don't ask you about uh, Tiger. Um, obviously, you don't know. We all hope. Do you get any intel? Do, do, is there anybody, do the golf people know other golf people that say, hey, listen, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that? Does it work like that or no? I would say we try. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's he's not the goat for no reason, right. Frank. He, uh, yeah. He's got it figured out. Yeah, and um, but you know, at the same time, like you say, we we plan for that uh, around security and 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 all of those types of things. We certainly live on his words of of playing once a month, and and this being, um, you know, one that really falls in the right place on his calendar. Uh, the fact that he's a a board member of ours, we uh, you know, we think this is a a great one for him. Obviously, API with the success that he's had at Bay Hill is. Um, probably enticing as well uh living down there but um you know we we would love to have him at the same time as i've said before having him out on the golf course uh having him playing uh is is really really good for golf at large yeah no question he's playing all across the board final thing we'll then we'll get a number from you um you're new here but you're not new here the golf course can you tell lee or i mean the golf course is always in great shape for this thing i know that but can you tell 
three weeks out, if it's better, worse, where you want it compared to other years three weeks out? Does that I mean is that is that, am I reaching with that question? Is that does it work like that? Um, it, kind of. I I would say this: our our agronomy team with uh, under the leadership of Jeff Plotz, our our uh, superintendent out at at TPC Sawgrass. Um, he's a perfectionist and, and, and really is never happy with the condition of the golf course, right, right. W- even when it's really, really good, which, yeah. um, you know, I, I respect the heck out of that. Um, it, quite honestly, I think for the most part, Frank, it's really mother nature. I mean, yeah, that's right. when, when you lead into right now, we're setting it up moisture wise and you can control it when you're three weeks out whether you're putting water on it at night or you're not putting water on it at night or mother nature's bringing a ton of rain. And so you're not uh, irrigating for a week, you know, those types of things. It's, it's just when you get past that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of, of uh, advance week, um, you're, you're not going to be able to grow an inch of grass, you know, yeah. in a day yeah. or, or whatever it is. So it's, it's just always about mother nature and hopefully the, the best conditions are when we're able to control the moisture. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I tell people this all the time that people listening to us, they're mostly me. They're 12 handicapped players. They're not – and P, and I, you, you understand this because you've run so many golf courses. People can't understand how hard a tour course is, how fast the greens are, how high the – you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. people that listen, we watch on TV, but you just can't fathom how hard that golf course, the real golf course is. Don't you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I, I would go one step further. The technology that our agronomy and rules teams have that, um, you know, ultimately can make sure that every green on the golf course may not get cared for the exact same way, but will always be virtually and very similar speeds and they could be a mile apart on right. one side of the golf course. I mean, you can imagine one can get rain, one cannot. Right. That's right. Um, but the technology that we have um, from green to green and those types of things is 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 unbelievable. They do such a fantastic job. I mean, hats off to the to Tim Aquano. I mean, yeah, there's right. a there's a good example of what they went through overnight uh, and the ability to call all the troops in. And we're able to play on a on a on a golf course that looked really really good. Yeah, to, to Lee's point, the, the Furican friends, some idiots went out there and tore up a bunch of greens uh, right before the tournament. And the crew, a lot of a lot of the Sawgrass people helped. Yep. Everybody, we everybody kind of got in there together and made it wonderful. Yeah, made it wonderfully absolutely. playable. And you're you're exactly that's a very good point. Good point. All right, we got to give away two tickets to the Wednesday practice round right before it gets going. Two tickets to Wednesday and a $25 gift certificate to Top Dog Tavern, which is in Bartram Park. Give me a number, bro. We got. I think my dad called in one time, and he was <laughs> he was caller number seven, he told me. So I'm going to go with number seven. Let's see. Uh, caller let's see number seven, 641-1010. Either Lee's dad or somebody else is going to win those tickets. <laughs> caller number seven right now. Lee, great seeing you. Thanks, buddy. Good seeing you. Thank you. Uh, back in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings.
the tickets for the players, but keep listening because we've got a pair of tickets coming up later to go see ZZ Top at the Florida Theater. So be listening for that. All right, let's get into college football. SEC Mike, the SEC podcast, uh, which is a pretty popular podcast on obviously SEC football and sports in general, has Jake Wimberly's ESPN prediction of Florida going 2-10, and ten, Frank. I saw that. Two them. and ten. And before we get to that, uh, let's turn now to our Hall and Oates beat reporter. <laughs> yes. Hates Carlion. He has on the bowl school. Any update? You know, we've got a bunch of contingencies here. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of ins, a lot of outs to this case. Okay. Good. And so I, I've been sort of sifting through the, the tangled webs <laughs> okay. uh, to find right, the legal good. ramifications of okay. all these injunctions and you know, things like that and continuances. Okay, and good. You'll keep I, us posted? I, I will. There is nothing concrete that I can report right now in the ongoing legal dispute between 77-year-old Daryl Hall and 75-year-old John Oates. Is that how old they are, really? Yeah. Well, how about that? All right, thank you. Well, keep us posted if you want. I am on it. Um, Lauren, I think the 2-10, and 10, by the way, is 2-10 and 10's in play, but they're not going to be 2-10. and 10. They're also not going to be 10-2. and two, You know, yeah. but, I, but, I, but I understand – if you look at what they have been and who their football team has been of late and this, some are now calling it the, the, the most difficult college football schedule of all time. Some believe in the history of the sport. Now, whether or not there's actually a metric to tell that or not, I don't know that there is. But the fact that that's even part of the conversation, that the Gators might have the most difficult schedule in the history of the sport, tells you it's going to be hard. And because that – that that conversation's in play. It really is. Yeah, it's. I've never seen a harder schedule. Now again, we'll see yeah. how we feel about it in middle of December. Yeah. Maybe we'll be like, "Wow, we'll Miss really struggled, and you know, see, this team lost their quarterback, and that team lost, you know, their right. offensive line." And right, a lot can happen. But so, so I think, so I, I when I saw the the two and ten that everyone's talking about, Lauren, to your point, I went back and really looked at the schedule and thought about their team. All right, we went through. I won't go through the whole schedule again because we did it just yesterday on the program. But we talked about all the games that they could lose. The last, we all know the last five are just terribly hard. The Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, at Texas, Florida State. We all know that's – we talked about how many losable games there are. And, and I think, Hayes, your point was other than Samford, the other 11 are losable games, right? But I think the other side of that is there's some winnable games on there too. They're going to have the best roster they've had since he's been the coach. They are. They are they're going to return a quarterback who played last year, and there's a number of teams that aren't, that played for them last year, that played in this offense last year, and there's a number of teams that aren't. Uh, Ole Miss returns the quarterback they had last year. Georgia returns the quarterback they had last year. Missouri ret- – they don't play Missouri, but, but, but the two teams on their schedule that return the quarterbacks they played had last year. But the majority of their opponents don't. Michigan, I mean Michigan. Miami's got a, a really good quarterback that they got in the transfer portal, but he wasn't on their team last year. FSU's got a good quarterback who's been around and played a lot of college football. Good player, but he wasn't on their team last year. There's an awful lot of that too. The problem is Quinn Ewers and Jackson Dart and Carson Beck are all on the team they were on last year. I get that. But the point is if they take a step forward, if they continue to grow offensively where they were pretty good last year, if the defense has grown up a bit and guys like Slackman, who might be a really good player, and a couple of these freshman linebackers, Miles Graham among them, Aaron Childs, are pretty good players, well, there's some winnable games there too. I almost, 
I'm because the guy went two and ten. I'm almost tempted to go the other way a little bit. Say ten and two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> but I almost go the other way a little in like. It is his third year. It is his third year in the program. It's his third year coaching in the in the in the SEC. It's Graham Mertz's second year playing. Graham Mertz has what forty two starts, 40, 40, 40 some college yeah. starts. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Miami and beat UCF, and 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 all of a sudden you look up and they're four or five and one to start the season. I know how brutal the the end of the season is, but if you get off to one of those four and starts, five and one, six and one starts, then at least you've not only are you protected in the event that you lay an egg at the end, but you have a little bit of confidence that will keep you from laying the egg at the end. So I don't think they're headed to 10 and two. I think it's a brutal schedule. Also, I don't think there's any damn way they're going two and 10 either. They, there's, there's, that got me thinking that they might be better in some areas than people think. I guess that's my thought. Well, the way I look at it is simply any game in the swamp, Florida has a good chance to win. I mean, it, it's a, there's no game on this schedule where – a team comes into the swamp where it's anything more than a coin flip for Florida. I uh, Miami, LSU, Texas A and M, I uh, Ole Miss. That's a tough place to win in. So I uh, so if they can just have a a strong home sk- season, uh, then then they'll be well on their way. There's there's two games they can't win. They can't beat Georgia here, and I don't think they can beat Texas and Austin. Other than that, I I mean, look, they beat Tennessee every year, so I'm certainly not going to look at that game and say no chance they I, can win in Knoxville. I agree with what you just said. They're not they're not winning in Austin, and they're not beating Georgia here. Those other ten, I don't think they're winning the other ten games. But you're, I think your point's dead on. There's not one of those other ten that you would be shocked if they won. You may be surprised. You may, may be surprised if LSU gets off to a good start. They play them late. They beat them. But you wouldn't be shocked at any. You wouldn't be shocked at any of the ten. That's kind of your point. Yeah. I agree with you. You're that. never shocked when Florida wins in the swamp. You right. should, or you should never be shocked if Florida beats a team on its home field. So I mean, I think, I think right there that, you know, that gives them a chance. I, again, I I don't think it's going to be a, a hugely successful season. But uh, yeah, are they going to go two and ten? No, not unless a sinkhole opens and swallows half the team. I would laugh, but crazier things have happened. Uh, let me ask you all a question. Well, not a lot of crazier things have happened than a sinkhole <laughs> swallowing half the team. I don't know the whole lot of crazier things that happened, but please continue. Yeah, I guess I was thinking about like tragedies that have happened, and so I didn't want to laugh. But uh, when it comes to the head coach, Frank, if Dan Mullen was the coach, and Hayes, if Dan Mullen was the coach right now of this Florida team, and you're comparing roster to roster of yeah. Florida versus Kentucky and Tennessee and LSU with the, all the turnover and Ole Miss and things like that, Mississippi State. How much different would Gator fans feel about not again schedule so hard, but how okay. much different would they feel about these games, whether you want to call them winnable or losable, because they believe in the head coach? That's a really good point. If, and to hate the point Hayes always makes about Dan Mullen, if Dan Mullen was there and engaged, because you, sure. you right, that's he was only not engaged for what like half a brief of the year. period. Yeah, of time, yeah, yeah. I, but if he was there and engaged, yeah, Dan Mullen coaching Graham Mertz. And DJ Lagway, and, and and then and having DJ Lagway at his disposal, yeah. how different would I you mean, feel? I mean, it was also, it, by the way, it was Dan Mullen who coached Chris Leak, and had Tim Tebow at his disposal. Right. You know, so so yeah, I agree with you. I yeah, better, better. I still think you know this, and I've always said this: schedules look harder based on how good you aren't. Sure. If you you're, you're right, Hayes, 
if Georgia's playing this schedule, you'd still think nine or ten or ten or eleven wins, nine or ten wins. You wouldn't think eleven or twelve wins, but you still none of the games would scare you because you you have Georgia's team. If the if the oh eight oh nine Gators played this schedule, you'd still expect them to win ten of those games. So a lot of the schedule is uh, so I, I agree. So Lauren, your point is. Is Billy is Billy Napier just flat out not a good enough coach to win a tough close game where he may not have the better roster? That's really what you're asking. Is there so much doom and gloom around the program that Florida playing at Tennessee, there's no chance, or Florida playing yeah. Mississippi State, even there's no chance because no one believes in the head coach? Or did he get some of it fixed? Offense at the end of the year was not a problem. It was certainly not the problem. He did bring in a highly regarded special teams guy, regardless of what what title he's got on the staff. This guy's a pretty respected special teams guy. The the defense is older. He brought in the mentor for the coordinator. Hayes, one question is to Lauren's point. Did he did he do enough to correct the things that it was clear he wasn't good at? Now, the knack for timeouts and time management, that's on him. He's just got to get better at that. But in terms of staff personnel, the other question is, did he do enough to change the way people feel about him? I, and the answer to that is, is I mean, I don't think he did enough. Uh, to to change how people feel about him. I mean, we'll see if he did enough to lead to to more wins and 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 no more of just the embarrassing snafus, the just unforced errors that you just can't have at this level. I, you know, I yeah. I mean, I I think in in looking at it, I it's it's one of those things that it's it's going to totally depend on the Miami game. If they beat Miami, they're off and running. And and maybe they can be the the surprise darling team of the of the country. If they lose to Miami, I just don't see them recovering from it. I mean, I, you hate to put too much on an opener, but to me, it all comes down to if if he can beat Miami, then I think there's an instant jolt of confidence, and they'll be a confident team going to Knoxville because as soon as that game starts the environment in that stadium is going to be so tight because every Tennessee fan in that building is going to say the same thing. We can't possibly lose to these guys again, can we? And that permeates down to the sideline. So Tennessee is going to be tight in that game. And Florida, by the way, Florida will playing, be loose. They're playing a brand new quarterback against a guy with 42 starts right. or whatever it is. That, that is a reality. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a path for Florida to get off to a, a good start. And that's their only. That's that's the only way I think Billy Napier can put up a, a season good enough to to warrant him staying on as coach in twenty five. Uh, if they lose to Miami at home, I just don't see a path. I I think at that point, it is going to be so sour in the fan base that I think his next loss there's legitimate like okay is he getting fired Sunday morning you know is is this it I uh, and and I think. Once you get to that point, I just think it's virtually impossible to come back from it. So I, I think he has got to beat Miami. I think Miami can throw the knockout punch on the Billy Napier error if they lose the game, uh, But uh, if Florida loses the game. If he beats Miami, then I think Gator fans are walking around with their chests puffed out, you know, thinking we may have a sleeper. It's crazy that – in the month of September, I feel like you'll kind of have a decent idea with this team because if they lose home against Texas A&M to Miami at Mississippi State, if they lose two of those games. He's gone. Yeah. He could get fired in September. Like, that's a crazy thought. 
It'll be interesting to see what happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little college baseball about a special player in Gainesville that we saw last night. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Don't hesitate Cause your love won't wait Ooh, baby, I love you The original? The original Frampton, right? This is Big Mountain. Is this Frampton or is it Big Mountain Smash <laughs> Tomatoes? <laughs> I think it's Frampton. It's Frampton, right? Yeah. RJ? Yes, it is. Okay, it is the original. Big Mountain. How does that become the name of the band? Uh, I mean, I Big mean, Mountain? Yeah, they do really? Frampton. Hey, Big Mountain, shut up. How about that? Um, so last night, the wife and I are watching a Hallmark movie because, well, we do. If you haven't watched Hallmark movies before, I thought that was only before Christmas. No, we did. We did. We've been doing it ever since. But There's, this is a non-Christmas movie. Yeah. Oh, they have them year-round. They, they never stop. Oh, I did not know oh, that. Oh, yeah. So what and was there, it about? Was there a lot of bloodshed? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> th- there was. So there was no bloodshed. And uh, p- p- Hallmark movies are pretty much pathetic. But we watch them because, well, we're pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> they're so, not pathetic. They're just a little predictable. And so, um, so, so, anyway, so I'm watching the Hallmark movie last night. And... And you know the you know the storyline. The the mid thirty something woman is she's from the small town and she goes to New York, but now she wants to come back and help the the parents save the bakery or the restaurant <laughs> or the the the, music or the card shopper. And she comes back and she meets the guy who's the widower and he's got the key. You, you know the story. Every Hallmark movie is the same, right? Mm-hmm. But so so when the when the young girl comes back to the hometown, there's always the parents. They love to see her back, and they're the sweet parents, and they own the card shop, the bakery, the restaurant, whatever. They can't wait to see her come back. Okay, and and that's always the way it is. And you you, you love the dad because he's sweet and he has the da- relationship with the daughter who's in her thirties. Blah blah blah. So I'm watching last night, and the playing the father, the sweet, lovable father who has the business that's that's fading, but everyone in town loves him. And the daughter comes back to help him. It's Martin Cove. Really, <laughs> Sensei Co- Cobra Kai is the <laughs> sweet father. You can't have Cobra Kai. He's the dad. He's the nice guy dad. And I'm like, oh, I've got to see this. You got to watch it. So he's playing the nice guy dad. And I'm watching this last night. (laughs) And not that I'm a smart ass because I'm not. (laughs) But every time he's got a line, I can't help but say, sweep the leg. (laughs) (laughs) So at one point, my poor wife. Do you have a problem with that? (laughs) At one point, my poor wife, who's trying to enjoy the movie, because what are you saying? <laughs> I said, I'm saying, sweep the leg. As you but should. Then, and so probably the know, 34th time, <laughs> I shout, sweep the leg. <laughs> My wife almost doesn't want to watch the movie with me anymore. So the movie ends and everyone gets happy. And But I'm thinking, how do you have Martin Cove playing the sweet, nice, lovable father? I need an answer. Someone's got to talk to the Hallmark people. That's, I mean, it, it's brilliant casting, really, because we're talking about it. You know, yeah. to his credit, he, I'm, sh- he was typecast for forty right, years. Right. If, if you need a bad guy, it's this guy. I mean, for, I mean, he was bad to Stallone. He was, oh, bad, yeah. he was, he was bad guy to everybody. Oh, sure. And, and uh, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I now have got to see this movie. Sweep the leg. It's called A Taste of Love. Correct. <laughs> all right. I mean, you know why it's called A Taste of Love? Because aren't they all called A Taste of Love? And so, so anyway, I do. I just little, can't imagine like oh, hearing yeah. Suzanne be like, "Sweep the leg." Do you want to watch a movie called A Taste of oh, yeah. Love? And you being like, "Yes." Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. So, so anyway, I do. Well, battling. he's probably going to be in. Like, usually, well, this isn't just a one-picture deal. Like, well. it seems like once you're in with <laughs> Hallmark, you, you be you're in like 25 yeah. well, movies. Well, I, but I did a little research. Okay, this good. Is, this is true. Sweep the leg. How many times are you going to say sweep? I don't know. Sweep the leg. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of. It let's starts, uh, let's it call her and break, okay. and right. we'll say sweep the leg. And <laughs> yeah, just hang on. It starts coming out after a while. So it turns out the lead, the the young guy that the, the guy that meets the girl, you know, mm. the young guy who, who's in his thirties and meets the girl in her thirties. If you tell me it's William Zafka, I'm okay. going to fall okay. out of my chair. Okay, he's just a and he's a terrible actor. I mean, like all of them, they're all terrible. You, you they're all terrible. Yeah. Ah, there's a connection. You know where this is going? Mm-hmm. Are you researching this? I just look. Okay. Because I had to find out the name so Hayes so, could watch this. So, so anyway, so I find out that the young guy who plays the love interest of the girl, who's his just name a, is Jacob. Who's just a who's Jacob in the movie? Who's just yeah. a terrible actor? Is Cove's son. Ah. So here's what happened: We got this really bad actor who wants to be in it. So the only way we get him is we got to get Cobra Kai yeah. to play the nice guy father. Well, it's a that's what that's my night. Trade-off. I don't know what your night was last night. Yeah, that was my night. Did I you wasn't baseball, as good. And then I got this. Did yeah. you finish the movie? Yes. So at no point in time did Martin Cove say "sweep the leg" in the Taste of Love? <laughs> he didn't. Because I, I feel like you got to script that in. Yeah, I did make up for it <laughs> by the seventy-eight times I said it. Sweep the leg. So, but wouldn't you have scripted that in Hayes if you were the writer, like just as a joke at some point? I in the would movie? have had him like completely turn heel and like <laughs> you know <laughs> break arms and <laughs> knock people out at the oh, end of the movie. So, anyways, that, that was I mean, my night. that was my night last night. Sweep the leg. No mercy. Yeah, and that was the other line. No yeah. mercy. No sweep the leg. No mercy. You missed how Tennessee many times being... are you gonna say sweep the leg? I don't know. Sweep the leg. <laughs> you missed Tennessee being down to Missouri and then coming back I and winning that basketball I was game. watching freaking sweep the legs, but I was doing. <laughs> Uh, before watching Sweep the Leg, I watched four or five innings of, of Florida, North North Florida baseball. And, and UNF will be okay. Joe just got there. He's got some guys beat up. And he's playing the second or third best team in the country, who was ticked off, by the way. Clearly. Because they had lost to St. John's. But let me say this. If you love baseball, don't let the season end and you haven't gone and watched Jack Caglione play. I'm serious about that. <clears throat> hey, we were talking – Yesterday about how big their players were, how big today's college players are, those Florida guys. Jack Caglione is 6'5", 245. The bat speed for a college guy with a metal bat, you can't fathom it. He had a home run in his first at bat that got out of that, that like got out of the stadium in like a second. It was a rifle. He had a double later on in the game. He also throws a hundred. He's got a hundred exit velocity and he throws a hundred. And it, which is which is obscene, and I'm telling you, you shouldn't. I'm serious about this. Don't go. Okay, and I know you've been down there. Yeah, he pitched when we went. You saw him pitch. Yeah, we we went specifically to see him pitch. Hayes, don't go a baseball season. I'm serious about this. Without without going down there and seeing this guy play, because you're gonna see him play. He might. Be, he really might be the next Shohei Otani. He really might be. Don't miss an opportunity to see a guy play who's playing an hour away. I'm serious about. This. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's obviously had a fantastic season last year. It's gonna be. Really interesting to see what kind of numbers he can put up this year, and 
I it, it was a, a a rocket out of the stadium. I I caught it just as I was leaving, and it was I mean, gone in a millisecond. Uh, he he's a special talent, obviously, and it's going to be a lot of fun to follow his career. Yeah, I wonder, Frank. There's only one Otani, and obviously Shohei got hurt this past season, so he's only going to be able to hit this upcoming season. A guy like Brennan McKay, who plays for the Rays, who hasn't played in the right. bigs in a couple of years now due to injuries and tried to be a two-way player too. Is that what, is that what happened? He got hurt? Yeah. I didn't know that. Is yeah, that he's he's supp- he's pitcher only now, right? He, yeah, and he's pitching in training camp um, trying to, to come back. But I wonder if there's way more of those types of stories than there is the Otani, and I wonder if a club is going to be like, listen, Jack, I know you're so good at both. But this is what we want you to do. Whether it's pitching or hitting, I wouldn't know. But I wonder if they're going to try and get him to specialize. Yeah, number one, yes, they will. And I didn't. I always wondered what happened. Okay, so he's been hurt. He's still in the. He's still in the organization. Yeah, he's, he's had hurt. lots of injuries since twenty nineteen. People that don't know, he played at Louisville and was really good two way player. He's a guy I thought would do both, and uh, and so he tried to do both, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I think Otani is so good, Lauren, that you almost you'll you'll almost get too criticized if you don't allow him to try both. I'd love that. I, mean, I just he, worry because of injuries happening, yeah. especially so much to pitchers. And hasn't he had Tommy John? Didn't he have Tommy John his first? Why do Bags? I think that? Why do I, I feel I like that? he did his freshman year. I, th- I think I could be wrong, but I thought he had Tommy John. But but I'm just telling you, I think he is so good, and so much has been made about him that you have to have a chance. Well, here's why you got to yes, let him he do. Did. Here's why you got to let him do both. I'll tell you why. Because how often does a guy come around that throws a hundred? Not very often. And you say, well, don't let him hit if he's throwing 100. Don't ruin that. Well, how often does a guy come along that could hit 50 home runs at the big league level? Not very often. Well, if you got a guy that does both, why wouldn't you? And, and, and he's on your team. He, you wind up having him on your team. Why wouldn't you give him a chance to be both? Worst case scenario is he becomes great at one, and then he does that. I don't know how anybody in, in the Otani era can say to somebody with that kind of talent, no, you're you're not going to be able to do both. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because exactly because here's the, the here's the first answer. Well, look, buddy, I, I know you're a pitcher and a hitter, but with all due respect, you're not Otani. Well, this guy might be. You, you know what I mean? I mean you, you can say you can talk all you want about how this guy. Well, he's not that. I mean, he's, well, this guy might be. I mean, the the if Anthony Richardson had been a better player in college, had played more, and it had more, you know success as a player, he just said, well, nobody's got nobody's got John Elway's arm and as fast as Lamar Jackson. Nobody's like that. Except Richardson might be. You know, nobody is except he might be. I think Jack Caglione might be Otani. I mean, now listen, Otani, in addition to being – can hit a, a great home run hitter and a really good pitcher, I mean, throw really hard. He's also really good at both. Sometimes you can – you can have the skill set and the traits, but not be really good at both. Anthony Richardson isn't yet very, very good at all that. Hopefully, he will be for for the Colts' sake and for his sake. Um, but Caglione already is. No, he certainly is, and and I'm not pushing back against the idea that he should try both in the majors. But I just am concerned that teams are going to look at these injuries across the board for pitchers and say, "Look, we we you're too important to us. We need you uh, to be in the lineup every day as a hitter." And and so yeah, pitching's been fun for you, but we're not going to allow you to do it. Yeah, or the opposite. Yeah, but how, again, I agree with Hayes on this one. How, why, how, and what grounds would you ever not? 
Uh, it just uh, so we'll so we'll see what winds up happening. But I'm telling you, because only one person's been able to do it in yeah. so long, so there must be a reason why. Uh, but I think we're getting that one wrong. I, I've said that. You guys have heard me say that. Well mm-hmm. before Jack Caglione came around, I thought we've been getting that one wrong. Why on earth can't I mean we we overthink it sometimes. It's just playing a game, you know. If you're mega talented, why can't you play both? I I I understand why you can't play two sports anymore. I, I, I miss the days when when Arch Schleister played on the basketball team at Ohio State and was their quarterback. And I, I and I, there's there's players who are good enough to do both in college, but I get why you can't do that because you're going to get behind if the people you're competing with are spending six or seven months in the fall doing it. You're not doing it because you're playing a different sport. That part I, I understand that one, but if you're on the same field playing the same sport, I, I I don't I don't get it. So hopefully he gets a chance to do that this year. Let's take a break. Let's talk some basketball after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. This is another song that I feel like you can't cover this. You can't yeah. cover Van Morrison. Yeah, I don't think yeah. has anybody ever tried. Yeah. I believe there's a punk band. Now really? that I think about it, I believe there is a punk band that covered this song. Those but monsters. <laughs> and if you don't <laughs> like if you, if you don't like this song, you're not really an American. No. Actually, did Jimmy? I think Jimmy Buffett covered the song. That's allowed. Well, a Jimmy lot of Buffett's yeah, allowed to do yeah, that. yeah. I, 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 there are some guys who do it in honor of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be different. Uh, Buffett, and I was way, right. Jimmy Lagwagon did, did this song. Don't. Who did it? Lagwagon, which is a punk band. I, I remember How many times it have you 90s. seen Lagwagon? You saw them in Pittsburgh one time, right? Did you just say Lagwagon? I sure did. Yeah, it's a punk band. It's happening in our world. <laughs> it's happening in my life. They were popular when I was in high school. And lagwagon. So, yeah, Lagwagon, absolutely. All right, let's get into some uh, Florida-Alabama basketball before I annoy you any further. All right, so... Lagwagon? Yeah. <laughs> Lagway? Yeah. Lagwagon. He probably listens to Lagwagon all the time. Uh, so Alabama averages scoring 90.7 points per game. Florida can certainly hang with the best of them when it comes to the offensive efficiency, Frank, but my question, can Florida play good enough defense to prevent Alabama from going 90? And in Coleman Coliseum where they're really yeah. good and where it gets loud and... When a, when a good offensive team gets going at home, it's hard. I, I think that the interesting part about that is it's not a good defensive team playing a good offensive team, so a, a battle of, of contrasting styles, which you see a lot of time. This is two teams you're going to try and run it up and down the court and score. Having said that, this is one time I hope Florida doesn't get going too fast. I don't think Florida can win a track meet against Alabama at Alabama. I'd rather see to the point you've made, Hayes, if there is an Achilles heel for Alabama, there's not many. But they don't love to throw it inside, and they don't love to defend teams to throw it inside. This is one game I hope – you got, you got to be who you are. You can't, you, can't, you can't run from your identity or change your identity for one game. I know that. But I would like to see the ball go inside some. I think this is a game, more than other games, I would like to see Han Logton and, and Samuel and Condon be big factors in this game. And I'd like to see Zion Pullen, who's their best player and a, and a legitimate candidate for SEC Player of the Year, to have the ball in his hand a lot. I don't think racing up – and you know me, I think their biggest problem in the Mike White era and even last year a little bit 
was they they pass up too many good shots. But this is a game I wouldn't mind seeing though. Yeah, it's this is what I think is going to be really interesting about this game. Todd Golden said after the Georgia win and and Hauk played so well and Condon contributed a lot too. He said, you know, we've got four big guys. And pretty much after every game, I know two of them are going to be really upset with me for the for a couple hours <laughs> after the game. Well, Samuel and Han Logden should certainly be motivated tonight. Uh, the matchup is perfect for them because of Alabama's lack of height. Uh, Samuel and Han Logden combined for 34 minutes against Georgia, nine points, six rebounds, eight fouls. Not a great game. So uh, that's the key tonight for Florida. Uh, can they dominate the glass, which they should? Uh, although Alabama is better at rebounding than you would expect for a four guard heavy team, uh, they're about plus four and a half. The Gators are like plus nine and a half. So Florida's better at it, but Alabama is good considering how they play. And uh, it, you know it, it should be. Look, I mean, if if you don't watch a lot of college basketball, like tonight should be really fun. I mean, you're talking about a team that averages ninety point seven points a game in Alabama to lead the country, and Florida is ninth in the country at 84.8 points. So you're probably going to see a basketball game tonight with 190 points. Uh, Alabama makes a ton of threes. Uh, They're, in fact, second in the nation behind UNF. Uh, Alabama makes 11.8 threes a game, which is just stunning. Uh, And so, obviously, that's if you're Florida, you're hoping for an off-night shooting because teams that rely heavily on the three, sometimes you have one of those nights, even in your own gym, where it just doesn't go in as much as you'd like it to. Uh, so I, I, I think it's, I think, I think Alabama's going to win. I think the, the emotion and, and, and I think Florida too, this is another test. Cause it's like, everybody's patting Florida on the back. I thought going to Georgia was going to show a lot of their maturity and poison. They passed that test. Now you're ranked. You're clearly in the tournament. Uh, but you're making a push. I mean, they have a legitimate chance to make a push for the sec championship. Uh, my guess is. Florida probably plays a B-minus game tonight and loses by 10 or 11. Uh, I'd love for them to to prove me wrong. I just think Alabama is going to hit a bunch of threes. I don't think defensively Florida is very good at all. Uh, and so I think Alabama will take advantage of that. And uh, it is interesting. We mentioned this yesterday just in passing, but here's the stat. This is from Denver Parler, who's Florida's Florida basketball sports information director. So the Gators entering tonight or one game under 500 in their SEC lifetime. They're 687 to 688 lifetime in the SEC. So if they do win tonight, they'll be 500 for the first time since February 7th, 1936, when they were 13 and 13. And this is how astonishing the Billy Donovan era was at Florida. So the lowest Florida has ever been under 500 was in 1984. They were 132 games under 500 in SEC play January of 1984. So to think that now they're now one win away from Mm -hmm. being a 500 team in SEC play for their history speaks to – that's all Billy Donovan. I mean, and and, and anyway, so again, my guess is they'll be – two games under 500 after tonight and not 500, but it's a really interesting historical stat in terms of the Florida basketball program. And to your point, Frank, that you've made, it's not a good job. Look, if you were 132 games under 500 in your right. conference right. in 1984, it's not a good job. 
No, it certainly is not. And I've seen people on Twitter, Frank, also make the point that you've been making about how good the guards are and comparing them yeah. to, to previous guards that Florida's had. And and so it's been fun to see people, I feel like, pick up on what you said weeks ago. Uh, finally, the last time Florida beat Alabama was in Florida's gym in 2020. So right. it's been a minute. Uh, and so I feel like there is going to be a free and easy, though, type of feeling for Florida. I don't think Florida has any pressure on it tonight. I think Todd Golden, yeah, and Todd Golden also pushes the right buttons. He he gets guys extra minutes that you certainly aren't expecting, and then they play really well. And so I feel like he knows his team super well. I don't expect Florida to win either because, like you said, that gym is going to be insane. But I do expect Florida to play well. Great point about the pressure. That's a really good point. There's none. It, it's not a house money game, but it's a game. Okay, you lose tonight. You're eighteen and eight and eight and five. That's still a pretty damn good record. They're going to win the next two games. They play Vanderbilt and Missouri at home in their next two games. So you're going to blink, and they're going to be – and I would be shocked if they don't. I, I would be real. If they don't beat Vanderbilt and Missouri at home games, I would be really surprised. Vandy's a sellout this weekend, yeah, right? so that's going to help. The crowd will be yeah. great. I, I, so I'd and be Missouri very, is – Wouldn't you, know, you be very surprised? One of the worst teams very, in the very surprised. I'd be surprised if they lost to, to a bad team at home. Yeah. yeah so I could the, see on right. the road maybe, but I, I agree with you. I, they'll lose tonight, win the next two. So 18 and 8, 8 and 5. And then you look up and you're going to be 20 and 8 and 10 and 5. If I'd have told you in the first week of January, you're going to look up and Florida's going to be 20 and 8 and 10 and 5 with three conference games left. You just signed up right then. Absolutely. You just signed it up in blood. I mean, you I mean you <laughs> you know, I mean I mean if I'd have told you that 20 and 8 and 8 and, and 10 and 5. Mm-hmm. And so so I so back to your point, Lauren, there really isn't any pressure in this one. I don't I mean, think there, there is. there's really not. And then and look, and of your last 3, I mean you you already got to your ten, you you then will be at your 10 wins. You'll be, which is everyone said what you needed to do to get in. And 20 wins is huge. Yeah, and 20 wins is huge. Then win one of the last three between at South Carolina, home against Alabama, and at Vanderbilt. When, Hayes, win one of those, and you get you get to 21 wins and 11 in the league. You're looking at an eight seed, I would think. Yeah, that's sort of where they are right now. Lenardi uh, posted earlier today that uh, he's got Florida right now as a seven. Uh, he's got uh, Florida playing Nevada, which is interesting because that's been a 7-10 in the past. Uh, Florida won that game under Mike White, and I think Musselman was the Nevada coach at the time. But uh, but he's got Florida as a 7 seed. Uh, but he posted this morning because uh, he always posts, like, what these are the games to watch tonight. And he said if Florida wins tonight, they go to the 6 line, no, no doubt about it. So, uh, again, it, it is – it's a it's bigger for staying in the I mean because if they win tonight they're legitimately in the SEC championship hunt because now you could beat Alabama on your home floor and sweep them so you'd make up the other game that you need uh, you've beaten Auburn so you'd have a the tiebreaker over Auburn you're just behind Tennessee but Tennessee has a tough road I mean we talked yeah. about Tennessee's remaining road at Missouri home against Texas A and M home against Auburn at Alabama, at South Carolina, home against Kentucky. I mean, Tennessee, this probably isn't going to happen, but they could go, I mean, really, they could go 0-4 in their final four. They could certainly go 1-3. Uh, so there's, there's a little bit of room there. But uh, it, it's, been, it's been spectacular over the last few weeks watching this team come together. And uh, while I don't expect Florida to win tonight, 
you know, I, I do think it's going to be a really entertaining game. I think Alabama will win somewhere around 96, you know, 86. I think, you know, something like that. But there's going to be uh, some tremendous basketball played on the offensive end, that's for sure. Absolutely. Vanderbilt has two conference wins on the season. Missouri has none. Missouri has not won a conference game yet this season. Wow. So and so, so the next two, like you said, yeah. you should cruise. Yeah. And Hayes made a point. Don't assume they're not going to win at South Carolina a week from Saturday. They may not, but that's not an unwinnable game. Florida's playing at a better level than South Carolina is now. I think South Carolina's pretenders. And you, you said that, and I haven't watched them enough, Hayes, to, to feel that either way. But I don't feel like he's, you're, you're not playing Kentucky. You know and who they beat, by the way. So, uh, so who both of them beat, by the way. So we'll we'll see what winds up happening. I um, I love what this team is. I'll say that. I love where they. I love where he's got them. I love how they're playing. I love uh, the confidence with which they play. And Lauren, to your point, we've been talking about those guards for a long time. Those are big time guards, man. They are big time, big time guards. Yeah, that's one thing. If you haven't watched a second of Florida men's basketball and you tune in tonight uh, against Alabama. That's going to be such good guard play on both sides. Like we've said, Alabama certainly plays more guards, but Florida has two of the best in the country, and I think Alabama has even more than that. So tune in just for the guard play. Yeah, and Alabama's guards are quicker, but they're not more physical than the Florida guards. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about Justin Fields. I got a thought about the Chicago Bears quarterback. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. I see a and I want it into black. Frank Frangie's car line, Lauren Brooks with you. We got one hour to go here. You gonna jump up and go or I might. I'm I'm feeling it, I'm not gonna lie. I can tell when he's got a little pep in his step, yeah. you know. Yep. Radio karaoke. Let's do it. The, um, I almost busted out into Betty Davis eyes the other day because you mentioned Kim Carnes. Oh, you know what? And I was like, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I will yeah, refrain. I would rather it. see you sing Betty Davis eyes than <laughs> Boots Were Made for Walking. Really? I would too. Yeah, I, would yeah. too. Yeah. I just think it's a. It's I think it's a better song. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. All right, I'll take or it under advisement. How about both? Yeah, you could do both. That would have to be a quick turnaround well, on the stage. Finish up your show with Betty Davis eyes, and then the Booster Mays walk in the encore. Is that, 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 is that sense, too much? Yeah. I'd clap. Would you clap? Absolutely. I'd clap. Um, I'll start practicing Betty Davis eyes. The um, so uh, t- our friend Taylor Dahl just walked in here. She's a big Bears fan. Does a great job with her Bears podcast, as most of you know, or many of you know. Um, so she was telling us about the cool, the comments from Justin Fields today that he said he's just ready for it to be over, and I get it. It got me thinking. At this point. If you're the Bears, I've got to believe by now you've done your due diligence on Caleb Williams. You've had the first pick, okay? You, you, you. There's no. I can't believe they're going to watch him throw at his pro day or the combine and learn anything new about him. Taylor said last night that she believes the interview process is at the combine specifically is what they're waiting for. Interviewing Caleb Williams one on one in person is what they're waiting for. And and maybe that's true. And and she would know. She follows it closer than I do. But the reality is, I, I don't know. You, I think by now you know him. That'd be my guess. They know him. <clears throat> You've got the first pick, so there's no negotiating here. You're not trying to fool anybody. Uh, you got the first pick. Um, I believe they're taking Caleb Williams. I believe they know they're taking Caleb Williams. 
I believe Justin Fields knows they're taking Caleb Williams. So why not get on with it? Now, I understand if if you're trying to gain leverage, Hayes, in your in the negotiating what the what the pick is, and if you tell everybody you're taking Caleb Williams, do you lose some leverage in the negotiating with other teams? But everybody knows you're taking him. I, I don't think there's anybody left that doesn't believe they're trading Justin Fields. I don't believe that exists anymore. I, before I did, I'd heard some people on the inside say they're going to stay with Justin Fields. Taylor and I talked about that a month or so ago. I don't believe that anymore. I nor do I believe they should. You cannot risk that this is Michael Jordan and somebody passed on him. You can't risk that. You can't be Portland and whoever else passed on Michael Jordan. You can't. You can't be the nine teams that passed on Patrick Mahomes, but I'll give them a little bit of a pass. Nobody was sure Patrick Mahomes was going to be this. Nope. Nobody believed he might be all this. Caleb Williams, they do believe he's going to be all this. Whether they're right or not, that is a roundly held opinion that he's going to be all this. So you know they're going to take him. You know they're going to trade him. I think everybody wins to go ahead and do the deal. Let Justin Fields know. Justin Fields has had an interesting thing, man. Uh, grew up in Georgia, was forever going to be the Georgia quarterback till he wasn't. Then he pops up at Ohio State and is very good. And he's going to be the Chicago quarterback now until he's not. I um, I think it's time to make a decision or or get the deal done. Again, there's no more leveraging. We all know where they're headed. You have the pick. Now, why are you waiting? I guess that's my point. If I had to guess why they're waiting, it's compensation on fields that they want to see if yeah. they can get three or four teams really interested in Justin Fields and see. And, and again, the the week in Indianapolis will answer a lot for the Bears, not only from an interview Caleb Williams standpoint, but also the conversations that their brass is going to have with other teams in terms of what's it going to cost to get Justin Fields. And so I think part of it is – you know, trying to maximize the compensation that you're going to get for Justin Fields. And, and the trade can't be officially consummated until March 14th anyway when the new league year opens. So you've got a little bit of time. I understand it from, from – well, I think what they should tell Justin Fields is it's not going to be here. Like, we don't know where you're going to be, you know, so I can't tell you to go, you know, buy a house in Pittsburgh or, right. you know, buy a house in Atlanta. Um, but in terms of if you want to go ahead and with whatever your situation is in Chicago – and, you know, sell whatever property you have here, however you want to do it. It's not going to be here. I, I think they could go ahead and do that because I, I, I'd put it at 97% they draft Caleb Williams. And, uh, you know, ESPN Today was uh, publishing a story about, you know, potential trades that the Bears could make, and, and, and I get it. I mean, but to me, I just – none of these options to me are even remotely as attractive as just take Caleb Williams one – pick up your second round pick and hopefully a little bit more by moving fields. You still have the ninth pick in this draft to add a weapon for Caleb Williams. Uh, to me, that's, that's what makes the most sense because Justin Fields is now up against it from a having to make a decision contract wise on him. You know, Caleb Williams, you draft Caleb Williams, he has to play three years for you before you even have to remotely think about his contract. And I think he's just better. Uh, ultimately. So uh, to me, it's it's a no-brainer. But I, I get why you, you hate to leave a, a young kid kind of languishing out there of where am I going to be. But that is somewhat the nature of the business. A lot of free agents right now don't really know where they're going to be. It's just kind of part of the, the process as a player sometimes. 
And uh, I, I think the Bears could certainly tell Justin, look, we'd prefer you not make this public, but just for your life planning, something you're not going to be here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I wouldn't expect the deal to to uh, come into focus until we're you know past the combine. Could we see no trade clauses be put into top ten quarterback picks? No, because teams will never do it. A team, a team, a team, team doesn't have the quarterback has to sign. There's no leverage. You know, there, there's there, there'd be no leverage to build that into the deal. So I don't think you'll ever see a no trade clause. Yeah, you're talking about if a player gets picked in the top ten at quarterback. No. Yeah, I mean it'd be tough. I think even for uh, veterans to to negotiate that in. We see it obviously. It's commonplace in other in other sports. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. I mean it. Look, I don't, and I don't think Justin Fields is getting a raw deal. I don't. I, I mean, I think they'll be. I think they'll be a part. Like if Justin Fields goes to Atlanta, he's in a better situation. I mean, I'm sorry to the Bears fans, but he is. Uh, if he goes to the Atlanta Falcons, certainly offensive. So now, if he goes to Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, I, I he's going to a better organization in terms of stability and and coaching and culture uh you know and, and he's got I'd say decent weapons in Pittsburgh in Atlanta I actually think he has attractive weapons and in Chicago he hasn't really had any of that so I get his frustration but I would say to Justin that look I think you're I think you're headed towards greener pastures here he's uh the the teams most people suggest are the Falcons Steelers Commanders Patriots Raiders that's the top five I think Seahawks could be in play. The Bucks, if they don't do a deal with Mayfield, but I think they're going to. But I would say Falcons, Steelers, Washington, New England, maybe Raiders. The, maybe the Raiders. I, I don't buy Washington first. and New England as much because I just think they're going to look at it and say, why wouldn't we take Correct. Drake May and Jaden Daniels? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think if you're Washington and New, New England, you're just standing You pat. don't have to do it. Yeah, I don't think you have to do it. If you're the Raiders, the Falcons, or the Steelers, you should do it. Like, you, it's a mistake to not call Chicago – and try to make that deal happen for Justin Fields, particularly if, like, you know, if you if you're not a Kirk Cousins fan, that that'd be the only thing that would give me some pause. Is if I was an organization that thought if I was the Raiders, Falcons, Steelers, close to being in contention, probably a quarterback away, and if I liked Cousins and thought I could get him, then I'd wait to try and get Cousins. But I mean, look, Kirk Cousins is only going to be able to play for one team. That means there's two other teams that uh, are, are going to be great spots for Justin Fields. I also think it's possible that Justin Fields has a better pro career than Caleb Williams does. Like, we have no idea what Caleb Williams will be in the NFL. Obviously, he was pretty talented in USC, won a Heisman and all that stuff. Defense wasn't very good, but he made some mistakes. It, it doesn't always translate, as we know uh, very well, and certainly the Bears know with Mitch Trubisky and things like that. So I, I don't know. If I was a Bears fan, I don't know which way I'd be leaning. I'd have to have watched more of their games. But it's certainly possible Justin Fields has a better pro career. I would be shocked okay. if that happened. I would be shocked. And, and I'm not saying uh, I've watched Justin Fields enough, and I watch, like you do, a lot of college football. I do think Caleb Williams is going to be a really good player. He had a rough year this year, way rougher than expected. But I think, I think Justin Fields is going to be – I think Hayes, his ceiling is good, not great. I think his ceiling is Jalen Hurts. And I think uh, – I think Caleb Williams' ceiling is Patrick Mahomes. He may not get there. To your point, Lauren. Yeah, it could be Kyler Murray. Yeah, he 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 could he could, but I don't he could, but I don't think so. I I I I'm not sure on Drake May. I'm not sure on on a handful of the other guys. 
I'm not sure on Michael Penix. I don't love his throwing motion. I think Bo Nix might be really good in the right team because I do love his throwing motion. But I'd be shocked if, if Caleb Williams isn't a really good pro in today's NFL game, I'd be really surprised. I would be too. I mean, again, we talk about environment, so a lot of it will depend on you know, what Chicago surrounds him by. But I think that I think they're on their way to having a good supporting cast around him. And again, they have the ninth pick. Uh, they're, they're still going to have significant draft capital and they've got money to spend. So, you know, I, I think the, in a sense, it's not fair to Justin Fields because he'll always be compared to Caleb Williams. So if, if Caleb Williams ends up being like rookie of the year in Chicago, you know, Fields is going to take some uh, things that I don't think will be fair. And, and, you know, and, what I actually think will happen is the Bears will be very happy with Caleb Williams and whoever trades for Justin Fields will be happy with him. I think he'll play well next year because uh, I, I think no matter if it's the Steelers, Falcons, or Raiders, I think there's enough there for Justin Fields to have uh, above average year uh, when you look at the 32 starters. The, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts was kicked to the curb in college for Tua Tungavailoa, just kicked to the curve, had to go find another team. Yet you looked up, you blinked X years later, Hertz is in a Super Bowl sooner and might be better. May not be better, but he might be better. Um, so to your point, anything can happen. Yeah, Bryce Young was picked ahead of C.J. Stroud. Correct. But I just feel like there's something different about Caleb Williams. Um, Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud, although at the end, a lot of people thought that's where they should go, but it wasn't definitive. For a while there, they thought Caleb Williams versus Drake May wasn't definitive about midseason on, but I think it is. I just got a hunch Caleb Williams could be really great. Maybe you're right. Could be wrong, but I got a hunch he's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, look, I, there, I, there's I, certain things that we'll, we're never going to be able to measure. There's not a, a heart test that they can give you at the combine that measures the fight that you have within you. Uh, there's not a work ethic test that they can administer at the combine that says – how much are you going to pour of your soul into this profession? How, you know, I mean, so there's always going to be the inexact science of how much does it mean to the player and, and what is the player willing to do uh, to be among the best? And, you know, I mean, that's, you try to figure that out, but these guys are so well coached now. I mean, if you bomb a team interview, I, 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 I find it hard to believe it's it's anything other than you just don't want to play for that team, so you're deliberately self-sabotaging the interview, hoping to not end up with that franchise. Because how hard is it to be like, yeah, the game means a lot to me. Yeah, you know, this is everything to me. Yeah, it's football, football, that's all. I wake up, football. I go to sleep, football. You know, football. I, I can't get enough football. I mean, how hard is this to do for 15 minutes and convince a team that it means something to you? But it's all talk until you see the actions of when the player's under contract and when there's no cameras around and who is the first guy in and who is going to pour everything they have into it. And they can talk to the college coaches and coordinators, position coaches about all of that. But the other thing that I feel like they can't measure, Frank, is when you have all the better players on your team than most of the teams you play, how much does that help you in the college game? I mean, C.J. Stroud certainly did, but he's really good in the NFL too, and he had some of the best receivers in all the nation. But we've seen in other cases, well, they had more talented players, so – you know, once they got to the NFL and everybody's really good, it didn't translate. It's sometimes with what we do, we're just fans who talk on the radio. It's just your gut. Yeah. Sometimes your gut's right and your gut's wrong. I, my, I told you, my gut on C.J. Stroud was he was going to be really good. 
Uh, I've had some guts on other guys that would be really good that didn't turn out good at all. You and know, seeing so him in person know. can really help, especially a quarterback. I was really blown away when I saw him. So, so we'll see what winds up happening. We're, we're, before we go to break, what team do you think Kirk Cousins is going to play football for in 24? I think it's Atlanta. I think Atlanta's the bell of the ball. So I think, uh, I think Cousins' camp will tell the Falcons at the Combine he wa- he's going to sign with you if, the money is, if, you, if you're comfortable with the money, and I think Atlanta will be, and I think it'll be a, uh, Cousins to the Falcons. What about you? If it's not that, I think it's the Vikings. I, I think, think somehow, some way, they keep him. I somehow think he's the kind of guy that doesn't want to leave. Just seeing him interviewed, seeing him in quarterback, I just, I just think he's going to stay there, and I think Fields is going to wind up in Atlanta. That, that my, my opinion is that Cousins stays put, Fields lines up in Atlanta, and then some of the quarterback needy teams, the Raiders and Steelers and Commanders, I don't know what they do. I, I think because you're right, some of the lower drafting teams can't go get a guy. Right. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with some of those teams. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, the, the Alabama Crimson Tide look like they're changing play-by-play guys. We'll discuss it. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Her hair is hollow gold. Good, Brooks. Take it. Yep. Lips sweet. I think she could do it. You know Absolutely. what? I've heard all I need to hear. <laughs> I think she could pull it off. It's a good thing I knew those words. The, uh, so uh, Alabama is not bringing back Eli Gold, he says. One of the TV guys in that area have quoted him as saying, I'm not coming back, and it was not my decision, and I'm not retiring. That's a tough one, isn't it? That is. That's hard. Really hard. He's been there 34 years. 34 years, and he is the voice of Alabama. Yeah. And if that's the case, what do you do if you're Alabama? It's really not all that different than a coach that that, who, uh, that aged out a little. Bobby Bowden, mm-hmm. one of the greatest coaches of all time. What do you do when, it, when, when you feel like you could be better served with somebody else doing it, but you've got a guy that's done it forever – how do you, how do you move I'd on? let the guy go forever if he's beloved by the fan base, yeah. which I'm sure he is. You would think. You know, I mean, I can only base it off of uh, Mick Hubert. Yeah. And I was sad to see Mick Hubert go. You know, I and, and uh, Mick Hubert phrased it more like he was retiring. I don't know that he got pushed out, but, you know, he also, you know, kind of disappeared. It makes you wonder, you know, how much of it was – was it mutual? Was he – told you know or did he just retire I but um you know but I I think it's tough when you have a a play-by-play guy that is described so many wonderful moments for you as a fan to me I I as long as as long as they're still competent I I would even tolerate a little bit of regression but as long as the I feel I feel like it's still a competent broadcast I I'd keep him in there and, until he tells me I don't want to do it anymore. You do that with the broadcaster. I'm guessing you'd feel differently with a coach. Like if the coach would. was aging it, out. It, yeah. it, it is different. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if the coach – The play-by-play guy is not affecting wins correct. and losses. That's right. And, wins and, and therefore isn't affecting dollars. Right. The, the, the coach is affecting wins and losses and therefore affects the dollars that come into the program and therefore affects the, the health of the program. Yeah. I wonder if 
because Nick Saban retired, if now there's yeah. the, the ability, the at least around. they feel like yeah. they have the ability now to, to make some changes that maybe they wouldn't have made prior. I wonder if Chris Stewart gets it. He's the, He's been the longtime sort of basketball guy, back a great guy, went through some real health problems. You know, but I wonder if he gets it. I mean, I wonder if he, I mean, I wonder if. I wonder Either that or they'll do a nationwide search yeah. like Florida did. I mean, they are Alabama. Mm -hmm. They are Alabama. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what winds up happening. What do you think of Alabama in football? Do, do you think like I do that somebody had to be the sacrificial lamb and it's going to be a tough go now? Oh, I don't know about tough go. It's going to be a tough go for what they're used to, I yeah. think. I but, mean, I, I, but I mean, if they become, now that Saban's gone, are they, are they Mike DeBose? Um, Dennis Francione, I don't see that. Alabama, I, or, or are they built for high enough now that you, they will? And the guy looks like he's a good coach, by the way. Yeah, I, I think Kalen DeBoer is uh, is is better than than those two guys. So I, I think it'll be. I think they're going to slip from elite to good, and then it's just going to be a question of can Alabama handle that? Is good good enough for them with Kalen DeBoer? But I mean, I I would guess over the next three years, I think he's going to lose seven games. You know. Three two two something like that, you know, would be my guess. Uh, maybe more. They're just not used to that. They're used to in a three game, three year stretch, they might lose three at the most. Uh, and so it's it's gonna feel different. I still think they're gonna be a good team, and they'll certainly be, I think, a contender to make the twelve. But I think the days of them running the sport are over. I think they ended. You can make an argument they ended before Nick Saban retired, but uh, you can absolutely make it, I think, with Nick Saban saying goodbye. I just would be shocked if Kalen DeBoer keeps them at the level that they've been at. I mean, he can't, he can't exceed it. Uh, the question is only can he keep it, uh, keep the status quo. I just think it's too hard for, for anybody to do replacing a legend like Nick Saban. Yeah, I think it'll be incredibly difficult for him. I think he'll do a, a really good job, which is about – 10 wins and to Hayes's point that's not going to keep the Alabama fan base happy here's I think the the guy who is walking not the exact same path but a similar path is Ryan Day at Ohio State again he didn't necessarily follow this obviously legend like Saban but Ryan Day for Ohio State fans has pretty much been on the hot seat since he's been losing to Michigan yeah. they've gone 11 and 2 the last three seasons but that's not good enough for Ohio State fans well, it's not going to be if eleven and two Alabama. That's not good enough for Alabama fans. So you almost, no matter who's in that seat, it's almost impossible. But I, I think he'll do a good job. That's one of the odd the the Ryan Day thing is one of the oddest situations ever. Number one, he's a good coach, but let's not kid ourselves. He inherited the greatest situation ever. He inherited a team that was going to have a roster far better than just about everybody they played for a number of years, and long as if he just. And now he has continued to recruit to that roster. Yeah, and no portal yeah, when he took over. That's right. exactly so right. The, you know, so the, world the roster changed. couldn't leave. The world, right. cha the world changed. So, but it'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens with all that stuff. I, I, I really do believe it. I'll say this. Because of the 12-team playoff, we talked about this yesterday, what a fascinatingly intriguing football season, we, college football season we have coming. I mean, I mean, think about it. If you're – how many teams now – would never have seen themselves as a realistic playoff contender when it was four. No matter what Lane Kiffin might say at media day or, at, or to his booster club in Jackson, there's no way Ole Miss fans really thought they were going to be in the tournament. Even though this is their best team in forever, and there's no – if you really put a lie detector on them and said, how much would you bet that you're going to be in the tournament, not many would have said yes. Well, now they're all going to say yes. 
Because now every Ole Miss fan thinks they're going to be in the 12-teamer. Isn't it interesting how different that's going to be? Oh, it's – I mean, it's a radical change. You're talking about a 300% uptick in, in teams that are competing. I mean, that's that's monumental. And so, absolutely. I mean, look, to be the – really, it's the 11th team because we know the 12th is going to be the, the smaller, you know, group of five school. Uh, but still, to be the 11th best team in the country, that's not a, a hard – obstacle I mean if you're a, a big time program I mean that is something that you've got a couple mulligans built in I mean you know you can lose a couple games and if you come in at 10 and 2 you're absolutely going to be in the top 11 if particularly if you're old Miss in the SEC you might even be able to get there with a third loss if, if you've got enough big time wins and, and your three losses are fairly mm-hmm. uh, easy to excuse so I, I think the fact that we used to live in a world in college football where if you lost a game, it was pretty much over. Uh, but certainly if you lost two, it, it was like 99.9% over in terms of competing for the national title. I mean, now you're not really out of it until you take on your your third loss. And even then, you still may have a chance if you have a, enough on your resume. And what this does too, Frank, is it increases the competition. So people want to schedule those non-conference really difficult games because it helps them in the long run. So in addition to Miami at Florida week one, here are three other games you get to watch. Georgia versus Clemson. Love it. In Hotlanta. LSU against USC in Las Vegas. Well, I didn't know that. Love that. And Notre Dame at Texas A&M. How about that? That is all week one. That's really and good stuff. I don't think a lot of that happens if we don't have the 12-team playoff because you are going to be right. rewarded for your strength of schedule. And that, At least Lauren, we presume. And that is the big picture. The big picture is you'll see way more good games um, because teams won't – I said this all before. People say, well, if you go to a big playoff, you're, you're, you're making the regular Watering season down, unimportant. Yeah. No, that's not true. What you're doing is you're making it less tragic. And I think less tragic is okay. Yeah. Right, we got news and notes coming up in a bit. Before we do, let me make a quick announcement. Um, I've announced this before, but I'll announce it again. At Walk Off Charities, we got through our, our baseball tournament, and we had a great time, and thank you for all that supported it. But we're never going to get away from who we really are. And at the brand-new Bregan Baseball Complex, we are now offering a free league for any children ages 4 through 12 who want to play. You're going to be playing on the most – incredible complex in Jacksonville history on these artificial turf fields. Um, Uniforms, baseballs, bats, umpires, we're covering it all because we don't ever want there to be a day ever again when a kid can't play baseball. Now, this does not change our leagues that we have on the north side in the inner city. We have leagues at 10 different parks all over town. Which is awesome. And we want kids to play near their home too. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to come all the way over to Breaking Baseball Complex, which is on the south side, to play. We we're, we're, we have the leagues in your near your home too, but if anybody in this area or wants to get to this area wants to play, we are allowing we we have a free league. That's why we did this. So every kid in ba- every kid in Jacksonville can play little league baseball. I, I harp it all the time. I sound like a broken record. I know that, but right now, if you want to play, we got a bunch of signups already. But we've got about two or three more weeks of this registration. Walkoffcharities.com. Just go to the website and it will direct you to our free league. Now. If you're thinking, well, I want to play on these nice fields and I want my kid to play on these wonderful fields with the kind of coaching we're going to give you, but I can't afford it. Well, it's 100 bucks. If you, if you want to donate or pay the 100 bucks for your kid to play, you can you're allowed to play too, by the way. We're not we're not we're not saying just kids who can't afford to play get to play. It's 100 bucks if you want to play, but we're saying it's a free league 
unless you want to make a donation for your kid because you can afford to do it. But that doesn't dissuade you. That I don't, I don't want to dissuade anybody um, from playing if you can't afford it. That's why we're doing it. So, again, walkoffcharities.com. I love we, it. We really would love to have every kid in Jacksonville play baseball, whether they can afford it. If you don't want to, you don't want to. But every kid, there should never be another kid ever in our in our city that doesn't play Little League Baseball because they can't afford it. So uh, walkoffcharities.com. Lauren's news and notes are next to wrap the show. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. You heard me say earlier that we had a pair of tickets to go see ZZ Top at the Florida Theater. That comes up Tuesday, March 5th. If you want to win that pair of tickets, be caller number 5 right now. 641-1010. Caller number 5. If you don't win the tickets, so sorry, but of course you can buy them at floridatheater.com. Have you ever seen ZZ Top, either of you? I'm not. I have not. I'm not. I have not either. I think that would be a super fun show. It would be fun. Yeah, I agree with you. I have a feeling we might be at UNF that night. Yeah, uh, for a little college hoops, uh, but right. if call. not, uh, certainly go see ZZ Top at the Florida Theater. All right, a little bit of breaking news when it comes to tonight's men's basketball game between number 24, Florida, and number 13, Alabama. Starting guard Latrell Wrightsell Jr. for Alabama will not play in tonight's game. He obtained a calf injury during yesterday's practice, according to head coach Nate Oates. He said, we are taking it one day at a time, but he's led to believe he'll be back in two to four weeks. So certainly wow. that is a blow for Alabama. Yeah, if it's a, and I don't know their team very well, Hayes, but if it's a starting guard and they're very good in the backcourt and they play very fast. Well, let's just take them. a look, shall we, at <laughs> what this uh, young man has been doing this season. That's uh, right, that's so. interesting. I mean, their best player is Sears. Yes. Uh, Mark Sears, Sears is, is a really good unbelievable. player. Yeah. Uh, Right cell is averaging nine points and 3.2 rebounds. So he, while he is one of the starters, he is averaging the least amount of points as far as the starting players are concerned. But he's a senior, and so uh, and he's one of those guards like we've talked about. I'm I'm guessing that he adds a lot of experience to that team for Nate Oates, yeah, and yep. so certainly it is a big development. To By the way, Sears is really this good. Is, uh, this Sears has is really to be a, a typo. This kid is 100% at the foul line this year. Uh, it wouldn't right surprise cell. me. Yeah, I see that. I see that at least at home. What I'm looking at is he's 100. percent No, yeah, for the season, free throw percentage 100. percent How many is he shot? Well, that could be gigantic. Absolutely. Because listen to these numbers. So this this is like Lauren said, he's a senior. This is his free throw shooting over his career. First year, 94.6 percent. Last uh, two years ago, 87 percent. Last year, 81.3 percent. This year, he's 100 percent. So again, if it's a close game, and Florida's got a foul. You can't foul him. Now he's not playing tonight. So if it comes down to that where Florida's got to pick a guy to foul, I would assume that's got to be Alabama. is outstanding as a team uh, shooting free throws, but I can't imagine that, uh, that he's not their best guy. Yeah, he'll, he'll affect it. And obviously teams get – they play harder when a guy's missing, so you don't know how much it'll affect the game. But, yeah, that, that's certainly – you would think it would change. By the way, Sears is a really good player. He's a transfer from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And last year he was a, last year he was a great shooter, but this year he's he because he helped him last year, but he's even more this year because he's a very complete player. I mean, he's averaging twenty a game. He's yeah, a really he's, good player. He and Dalton Connect, I think, are like neck and neck for SEC Men's Basketball Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would I would agree with that. Right, Sells made all twenty seven of his 
free throws this year. Is that good? So <laughs> yeah. He's for his career in college. He came from it looks like Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. Uh, he did. In his yeah. career, he is 183 of 209 for wow. 87 points. Yeah, he's the he's the, he's the only starter by the way that doesn't average double figures. Yeah. But he's still a good player. Do we think? We- Latrell will have some extra time to take Tyrese Samuel to the side and show him, <laughs> even with a calf him. injury, how to yeah. shoot a free throw. And Hauk. And Hauk, exactly. Uh, Florida's bigs are not the best at free throw shooting. But you know what? If Hauk continues to make the threes, then I'll let the free throws slide a little I'm bit. I'm with you. All right, Frank. Yesterday we talked about how the college football playoff will expand to the 12 teams, and they decided it's going to be the 5-7 model. Pete Thamel today tweeted out the idea of a 14-team college football playoff was discussed by the management committee in the Dallas area today. If that happened, it would begin in 2026. Nothing is imminent, but it's significant that this idea was discussed. You said yesterday, but ahead of, well ahead of this tweet, that you know it's not going to stay at 12 teams. Yeah, we'd, we'll be at 16 teams. I never heard 14. We'll be at 16 teams in three to four years. There's the, Hayes, there's no doubt. I said that yesterday in the program. This just kind of affirms it uh, in my mind. Yeah, there's just too much money to not keep expanding it. And uh, and, and so that's what they'll continue to do. I, I don't think they'll go beyond 16. I think they'll get to 16, and, and that'll be the number. But, uh, you know, it's, it's also interesting because, again, you're seeing these reports of the SEC and Big Ten want four teams. They want to be guaranteed four teams each guaranteed four teams each uh, for the 14. So that's basically four for the SEC, four for the Big Ten, and six for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Again, it's do you, do you agree to that, yeah. Uh, yeah. knowing I, that at least it gets you part of the pie? Or do you say, no, that's ridiculous, but then knowing the SEC and Big Ten could elect to say, all right, that's yeah. cool, we'll just right. go do our own yeah. thing. I'd be surprised if those two leagues actually publicly push for that. Now there may be a wink, wink. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go north of 16 for that reason to get more of those Big Ten and SECs in. But I'd be surprised if you ever see the conferences publicly push for X amount of teams. So we talked about the SEC podcast and the records, the record <clears throat> predictions that they put out. If this is accurate, and obviously it's not going to be, but if Texas went 12 and 0, if Georgia and Ole Miss both went 11 and 1. And if Tennessee went ten and two, would there be four SEC teams in the twelve team playoff? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. There. There. I think ten and two. Tennessee's not getting left out. Yeah. I would think in the twelve teamer, most years you'll have a third SEC team, and some years you'll have a fourth. They won't be. The committee won't put five in there because that would that would be the height of arrogance, and they'll they'll push back against that. But I would think three every single year without exception. In four some years, you agree with that? I do. What in his model? Who would be like the fifth team? He's got Tennessee, the fourth team yep. at ten and two. They'd be in. He's for got sure. four teams at nine and three. Yeah. LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, Texas A and M. Which the yeah. Texas A and M, he must love Mike Elko. Yeah. Uh, yeah, James, that's, that's weird. This. And it, it'll depend on who all. And Auburn. I don't well, think a not, I don't think a fifth team in that model would get in. I don't think the SEC yeah. would get a nine yeah. and three. Yeah, team I, I think in. it'd be hard. How do you pick fit? one over the other? Yeah. I, I think it'd be hard to get five. I think it'd be hard to get five most years out of the 12, but I would think three every single year in four a number of years. Well, and I would think even in the seedings for this, so Texas would be a one seed, mm-hmm. assuming – I know it's 12-0, but let's assume they win the SEC title game. Right. So Texas is the one seed. Georgia, you said, is the second team you mentioned? Georgia and Ole Miss are tied at 11-1. and one. At 11-1. and one. So let's say Georgia loses the SEC title game, right? Yeah, 
let's say Georgia loses. I guess it could be either Georgia it, or yeah, or it would depend on the yeah. But regardless, I uh, let's say Ole Miss not playing in the SEC title game. Mm-hmm. They're probably seated fifth uh, or sixth. I right, mean, right. they're probably the first at large. Georgia might be the seventh, and then. Tennessee wouldn't be the eleven or the I mean the twelve. They they'd be at ten and two. They'd probably so you you could have four teams in the SEC that are somewhere between one and eight because you've got that ridiculous rule now that the conference champions have to be seated one through five, right? One through four. Or one least. through four. Yeah. So maybe it could be five I mean it's again, if that if it plays out that way, the SEC would absolutely uh have four in. Speaking of SEC football, did you see Florida's homecoming opponent for this upcoming season? It's um, not Samford. Spoiler yeah. alert. Dang it. Uh, did, did they, uh, let me guess. They dropped Samford and bring it in Ohio State. <laughs> Maybe, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's uh, Ole Miss. Kentucky? It is Kentucky, oh. which I feel like yeah, Florida right. used to always have Kentucky yeah. or Vanderbilt as the homecoming matchup, but that has certainly backfired in recent years. Uh, so, yeah, October 19th will be Florida's. Yeah. Homecoming against Everyone's, Kentucky. Well, they pushed back on it because a few years ago it was LSU. And LSU yes. made a big deal about, That's oh, right. we're your homecoming. Okay, well, that'll certainly yeah, rally our troops. And Florida, like, before they you could blink, was like, our faculty decides this. It's not it's not an athletic <laughs> decision when homecoming Correct. is. Yeah, let me tell you a funny story about homecoming. So in 2007, when Illinois had that really good team, Zook's third year, mm-hmm. they went to the Rose Bowl. I mean, they were really good. They beat Ohio State. They were really good. And they, they went to the Rose Bowl. And they had this really good team. And I get to travel with the team, and I go in the locker room, and, and it was cool. And they play; they were playing at Minnesota, and Minnesota had Illinois as their homecoming. Because why wouldn't you? Because Illinois usually sucks, but they had this really good team. So I was in the pregame, and Tom Sims, the defensive line coach, went up and down to players. They don't respect you. You're home. Every player grabbed about a face. You're homecoming. You're homecoming. You're homecoming. You know what? They don't respect you. You're homecoming. How do you feel about that? It was. It was. I was <laughs> cracking up. I because mean, I've never. Again, guys like us don't get to be in the locker right. room. You sure. know, we, we just hear about it. I mean, he went. I'm, he went to every guy, and they, they. They don't. There's no respect. There's no respect. Those guys came flying out of that <laughs> locker room and won like 41-14. And I, I mean, I, but I, it was kind of cool. Score. It was cool for me. Yeah, it was cool for me to see it. Yeah. You know, so I remember that very, something like that. I don't remember some score like that. Whatever Illinois beat Minnesota by in 07, <laughs> that's what it was. I can look it up quickly. Uh, do you know who is the longest tenured manager in Major League Baseball? Right now, the longest Aaron Boone. That is not correct. No, um, not Dave Roberts. Not Dave Roberts. He is the second longest tenured. He's the longest tenured in the NL. And there's a little hint. Kevin for you. Cash. Kevin Cash yeah. is the longest tenure. You could have given me yeah. 10 guesses and I wouldn't have got to Kevin Cash just because of the fact that it, it feels like 2015 wasn't that long ago and yeah. Cash is younger, so I would never have guessed him. He mu- so he, he must have just got there before Roberts and Boone. He did. Roberts, I think, was hired the very next year. Okay. okay. Or maybe it was just after yeah. Kevin Cash, but either way. And Kevin Cash is a damn good manager. He's a damn – I mean, whether yeah, he, he pulled Blake Snell too early or not, yep. fa- fans, fans would want to – Every fan wants to remember that, not the good things he's done. He's a damn good manager. Yeah, I just was literally shocked. I had to double-check that. I read it in the story today, and I was like, that can't be true. Yeah. And I double-checked it, and I was like, good grief, yeah. that is correct. That surprised me. 
Uh, and Frank, did you see the really good Inglewood stats from last night's baseball game? I no, but I but I but tell them. But tell I, yeah, perfect yes, I did. game by freshman Ranzis yeah. Venero. I hope I'm getting uh, your name or Ranzis Venero. Uh, and Dom Petruno, who had a really good game and one of the only home runs in right. that walk off charities high school baseball classic last week. He had a grand slam last night. They're really good. This is this is. I mean, Inglewood. We take a lot of pride in. I mean, those of us that played at Inglewood. Your boyfriend played there and won yep. a state title there. I mean, yep. those of us that played at Inglewood take a lot of pride in how good that base. They have a really good team this year. So I, I, I may or may not have already ordered my Inglewood baseball hoodie. I'm, good. I'm sorry. I'm just starstruck right now. Oh, I, like you're starstruck. <laughs> I mean, I, I was trying to talk. I just kept talking. <laughs> As well, you should be. Let's say hello to Ryan the Hacker Green. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Straight from Disney. Yeah, yeah, that was How exciting. How you doing, man? I'm good. good to see you. I haven't I seen see you guys you. in a while. I know. I know it. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, things are well. Things are well. I had a little four-day getaway. We yeah. uh, took Grandma down this yeah, time. Yeah, good. Grandma usually makes it down for one appearance a year, so yeah. she did her four days and yeah. said we'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah. Total Disney trips per year for you, Jim? Uh, well, I, I, have a, I have a football season and a Disney season. Okay. Disney season's February through July. Yeah. And then football season obviously takes over. So during Disney season, we'll try to get down there probably once a month. What's your favorite ride? Well, I, it's, I'm living vicariously through Forrest sure. now. Yeah. So I don't ever go on any of the new ones until he's tall enough. Okay. But I'll tell you, he just is 40 inches tall now. Yeah. So they did the index card on Tower of oh, Terror yeah, right. and Thunder Mountain and Soren, and he got on all three. Oh, that's great. I mean, he made it by literally, you know, centimeters yeah. to get on those. All right, so, so once a month for six months? Uh, yeah, it's about five or six months. Okay, yeah. and you don't go at all in football season? I go, I once? think I get down like in late December after college for okay, the okay. Christmas party. So six or seven a year? Yeah, probably. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, very, good, very good. How you been? What's, how, for, how old's Forrest now? He's uh, going to be five in May. Wow. Five already? Yeah, he's going to be going wow. to kindergarten. That's amazing. Little hack is five. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was overnight, wasn't it? It was. It snap your fingers, and he's he's in kindergarten yeah. beginning next year. I got you. Very cool. The Magic are playing well, right? They are. For the first time in forever, uh, Frank's motto is the Pirates need to get him to football season. I just asked the Magic to get me to March Madness, and they might do more than that this year. Uh, Paolo Bancaro is a beast. Franz Wagner's very good. In fact, we're going to have David Steele on tomorrow, the television voice of the Magic, as they get their second half underway. But they're going to make the playoffs yeah. for the first time in a couple of years, and guys like me are pretty excited about that. How do you feel about this guy? the fact that this guy came out and said he predicks the Gator football team will be 2-10 and 10 next year? I got him coming on at 730. You got the 2-10 and 10 Jake Wimberly. Right, will he be 10? in studio? Uh, he will not be in oh, the studio. Okay. He does his work Rats. in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> But uh, I wanna, would you ask him if you want to fight him or no? I, I did not. He, he actually explains it pretty well. Okay. As a matter of fact, he now he nailed me. He does this every year. Apparently, he nailed Michigan to win the title last February. Okay, very good. So about a year in advance. What if I want to fight him. Uh, I don't know. Wimberly's pretty big. And I'm kind of old. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna say you're old, yeah. but, but Wimberly's not a you're, small you're, guy. You saying an old guy shouldn't take on a big young yeah, guy? Yeah, that's what, I, that's that's what that, I'm that, saying. That, yeah. All right, so tell me what else is coming up tonight. Uh, we're gonna have Mark Wise uh, coming up uh, before fantastic. seven o'clock. Yep, he's gonna preview Florida, Alabama, probably about six twenty before tip off at seven. So Mark Wise talking college ball and Gator, Alabama, uh, Florida, Alabama, and then at seven o'clock, roughly seven o'clock, Clay Harbor, right. former Jaguar tight end, will join us. So we're pretty jammed tonight. I uh, listen to your show a lot. You do a great job. I'm serious about that. Thanks, I buddy. Wait, I can't wait to hear it tonight. Appreciate it. That's uh, Hacker. Uh, Blue's on vacation, so Hacker's been moved up to 6 o'clock. If you haven't heard Hacker's show, uh, Hacker After Dark, he's really good. He does a great job, busts his butt on interviews. They're good interviews. He's a very good interviewer. 
So uh, be sure you listen to Hacker. He starts right about now. That'll do it for our program. We are out of here, but don't go anywhere. Tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Frangie. Have a great night.